Hey guys, hey guys everybody, welcome, welcome to the uh, Biomass Podcast on episode 43 minus 8. Uh, that's the official title from Sarizel. I'll let you guys figure out the math part of that. Um, we This is kind of our first big, uh, big show after the holidays, and we've got a pretty good uh, group of folks on for you tonight and kick around some pretty, pretty uh, interesting slash controversial, well, not so much controversy, but um, some charged topics that we've, uh, that are just starting to come out that we're probably going to see a lot of in January. Uh, we're going to go ahead and dive right in. We've got a lot to talk about tonight uh, and we're going to get through the intros and then we're going to get right after it. So uh, we'll start right at the top of the list in Mumble. So Degand, if you don't mind doing a quick intro. Uh, yeah, so, um, I'm, yeah, I'm DeGand, uh, part-time commando and part-time uh, Mimitar Sentinel. I don't play Dust much more, but, uh, I, you know, stick around the forums, though, and, you know, pay attention to what's going on, though. And yeah, been listening to the show for quite some time. Awesome. All right, man. Iron Wolf? I'm Iron Wolf Saber. I'm CPM1 member, and I'm glad to be here today. Thanks, man. Uh, Leather? Hey, guys. I'm Leather. I'm an officer in General Sales Alliance in Mullen Lab. Pokey. I'm Pokey Draven uh, from OSG Planetary Operations and co-host here on Biomast. SMB. Yep, Sir Manboy here, uh, one of the directors over at Monlan Labe, uh, member of CPM1, colonel according to the loyalty ranking system, and a protologi in every single race, and I'm happy to be here as always. Good deal. Sarah. Yeah, I'm CCPPR. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I just had to drop that once. I'm sorry. Uh, Sarizel, CPM1, and uh, um, a member of the Top Men Alliance. Um, somewhat of a leader, but really that's Darth. So we'll just we'll just leave it there. And a co-host here on the show. Cool. And I'm Jason Larson. I'm with OSG Planetary Oper- Operations on the Dust side, and I fly with Agony Unleashed on the Eve side. And I am watching an episode of the A Team while I'm over here talking to you guys. So uh, let's kind of jump right into it. We got some pretty cool topics that we want to get into. Uh, so what we normally do uh, is have a CPM update. We do have SMB, Soraya, and Iron Wolf, uh, three of the CPM members. So we'll get a quick update from them. Uh, don't expect too much because it has been the holidays, and you know every, everybody goes on you know on some form of vacation for the most part. Uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about some of the things uh, going on with the CPM, sort of in the future, how things are going. Um, after that, we're going to transition to some more in-game style topics. We'll discuss a little bit about uh, the concept of meta-level lockouts. That's one of the items that was on the uh, Trello roadmap that CCP Rattati released. Um, there's a lot of stuff on the forums coming up about that, about meta-level lockouts, uh, the impact of squads in, in certain types of game modes. So we'll get into that a little bit. Uh, there's also some other discussion about... Uh, uh, meta activity, you know, maybe, you know, the impact of the number of heavies that some people are seeing in the game. Uh, we'll, we'll probably have a little bit of a session on, on all of that. And then we're going to kind of move right on into some of the things coming up in the January, February timeframe with the uh, little bit of discussion about the difference between a hot fix and the difference between the upcoming 1.0 release. Uh, and this is one where I think the CPM can probably help us out a little bit and, and sort of help clarify some things or, or inoculate some confusion, you know, the player base from some confusion about those two, two topics. Um, after that, we will 
push into a discussion about the state of the PC revamp. Everybody understands that PC, i.e. Planetary Conquest, is a major item that uh, CCP Rattati wants to push to fix in the upcoming months. And we'll, 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 we will likely see some sort of movement on that, at least in the initial phases in the upcoming 1.0 release coming, I think, the end of, like, February, like end of January or really the February timeframe. Um, so with that, let's go ahead and kind of jump right into things. And I'll turn this over to uh, Iron Wolf, SMB, and Soraya for a uh, quick CPM update. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just take that because I generally do, and nobody else spoke up in the you know preceding couple seconds. Um, CPM update is pretty much that it's been quiet. Obviously, it's been the holidays. Um, not just CCP, but the CPM themselves have in some ways been a little less active because we've been trying to... Um, enjoy the hassle, the hassle and, and panic known to come with the holidays. Um, the only thing that, that really may be worth of note is that, because uh, we didn't really cover it in the since we didn't have a show last week, um, is there were a lot of um, awful network issues over the, the Christmas holiday, and uh, that, that seemed actually kind of to be like a comedy of errors, sort of collision of a few different issues, because I know there were some dust-specific issues that were... Um, uh, battle servers weren't weren't spinning up fights, and then there was um, at least I think there were a couple of tranquility issues where we saw like the whole Eve population impacted, and then of course there was Lizard Squad taking down PSN, which hit um, Dust players but not Eve players. So, but between all three of those things, um, there was like uh, like what four or five days where like everyone in Dust had like a really really terrible. Experience. I think it was it was stretched out over about two weeks, and it was I think you'd have a pocket of a day or two here and there where it was okay, but I remember it being almost a two week period at least for Dust. I know in, in the Eve side they I think they had a DDoS attack as well, so there there's a lot of shenanigans going on over the Christmas break with uh, the ability to access uh, the games. Uh, anything else, guys? Well, we're beginning our discussions about the next um, release for um, Dust 514 with um, CCP, and hopefully that will be made to public um, public life very soon for you all to enjoy and talk about. Okay, um, th that's cool. Uh, I think that I think that's something we're, we'll get into a little bit uh, here in a second. One of the things I did want to ask you guys, kind of as a as a group, uh, since you you actually three three CPM members, you have large chunk of the CPM brain power uh, sitting in the room with us right now. Um, one of the things that uh, I would like, and this is like me personally as a player asking, and, and I know I've talked to quite a few people who are, who have some interest in this, mostly particularly folks that have an EVE background and they're used to the CSM. Are you guys looking at having some sort of formal communication to the player base, like a, um, like kind of a, a state of the CPM or a, you know, a, a mid-course uh, report that goes out to the community at any point. I, I personally would be very interested in that if that's something that you guys could put together because it's it's really hard for, you know, the average player to understand what's going on or what you guys are doing, what are you working on, where the CPM priorities are versus perhaps other uh, layers. So I, I'm asking as a player, and I'm kind of curious what the other folks' thoughts are, uh, to our CPM members, if you guys would be interested in some kind of formal, hey, what is the state of the CPM and, and how are things going? 
Well, I, I'd say that uh, you know we'd have to. I don't think we've discussed uh, making uh, such a such a kind of formal formalized statement. Um, we'd have to chat about it, um, which we'll do. Um, I mean, I know it's come up in discussion a couple of times on the forums in in recent days. Um, some manner of, of sadness that we don't ha- we we don't really have like the the luxury of the CSMs two two summits with full meeting minutes that are obviously redacted but still very very informative. Um, so I, I would like to see some more from that from us. Um, I, I think we tend to be a little bit less officialized um, than the CSM. Sure, uh, Ironwolf SMB thoughts. Um. I never even realized that the CSM did anything like that, Jason. So thanks for bringing that to my attention. Uh, it sounds like an interesting idea. I'm definitely open to it. Um, there are definitely some things that I'd like to tell the community about, you know, uh, priorities that I have, priorities that I share with other members of the CPM projects that we're working on, things like that. So I think it would be nice to have a an overview of all of those different things and to provide that to the community for them to review and comment on. Ironwolf? As long as I don't get stuck writing the whole thing, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fair. The uh, and and I, I think the and what I would offer is that the CSMs in past CSM pass have uh, done varying different ways. They they do it in very various different ways, but generally they would have a pretty focused update periodically that comes out to the community. Um, so. I think that's something that you guys could probably put together. And I would, I really do encourage you to look into that as a group and then figure out like, what is the formal message? And it's, it's also a little bit about, uh, and one of the things I think that CPM zero did pretty well periodically was how are, how is the health of the CPM? Where does it need to go in the future? What is it not doing well? What is it doing well? And I remember Hans Jägerblitz and we put out some fairly candid stuff about how the CPM is functioning and what it needs to be doing uh, with the players and with CCP. So that that was sort of the the thing that kind of got me thinking about it over the last week. And and I do interact with a couple of the CSN members on the Eve side. And that was one of the things I I just thought I thought I'd put on the table. And interestingly enough, we just had a guest join us, Kane Sparrow. Do you mind doing a quick intro? Nothing coming out for me, Kane. I don't know if I'm DC or what. No, no, you're not. I can see his icon, but I do not hear him. Maximal troll. Yep, absolutely. I th- I think that was the uh, the worst transition that I've had into an intro in a long time, and and I entirely blame Kane on that. For the record, I'd like that marked down. This is Kane's error. All right, I'm here now. I think this should be working. Not that <laughs> you, I have the, uh, yeah, correct. You're good. <laughs> Quick, quick intro, brother. <laughs> uh, Kane Sparrow, uh, former member of CPM Zero, now just a uh, random duster. Good dealio. Um, Kane, were you able to hear what we were talking about a few minutes ago? I joined in, I think, at the tail end of it. Uh, was it talk of uh, minutes, or were you guys you talking kind about... Kind of. Basically, um, I kind of put on the table of uh, asking CPM1 to put together a somewhat formal, like, uh, midterm state of the CPM and some sort of formal communique about what they've, what they've done, what they've learned and what they intend to do uh, since the time they've been elected till now, because in theory, by the way, in theory, uh, maybe perhaps in February, March, there might be an announcement for C, you know, elections for CPM too. I don't know. I'm curious if anybody talked to you guys about that. Yes, but I'm not too sure if we're able to share that publicly yet. I'll have to check with uh, CCP Frame with that. 
Okay. CPM becoming <laughs> becoming subset of the uh, ISD confirmed. Yep, I'm writing that down. Hey, I hey, I would be all for getting like mod powers so I could, you know, people keep assuming I have them. So. Well, no, you, you troll enough. You don't need them. Not that no subset of the ISD. Come on. Zell should never have mod powers ever. Oh, I, I don't think so. Would, should ever I have would, it either. I would never abuse it. Oh, I'm, I'm fine with most of them, just not Zell. Just Zell in particular can't have mod powers. And that's how it works, right? Everybody votes to, to see who gets mod powers. That, that would actually work. <laughs> and then they would run mod. rampant. <laughs> no, yeah, but that, that's one of those where, you, where I'm, I'm knowing a little bit about the ISD uh, volunteer process in EVE. They are uh, they're actually fairly meticulous about that. <laughs> Because uh, I, I think they understand what can happen if you if you you know turn somebody loose that is uh, a bit too trollish. They're all eyes on Zell at this point. But uh, like I said, guys, I, I did want to kind of throw that on the table formally is having some sort of like I said a an actual formal state of the CPM uh, that gets addressed to the community because that's one thing that I, I do I would offer is a bit of constructive criticism. Uh, you guys individually do good work talking to people uh, like as a, as a whole, like individually, all of you within the group that are actually still participating. Um, I think you do a pretty good job of talking to folks individually or in some small groups or in different circles based on the projects, but there's very little that comes out that is, um, this is the CPM as a whole that is putting our name on something and it comes out as in a unified front. There's, I would say there's almost none of that, that at least none that I, I've been able to see. So that's something that I think that uh, you shouldn't underestimate. We do disagree a lot, though. So it's very hard to say, like, it's very hard to say we as the CPM say this because we, we do have a lot of different opinions, which is a good I would, thing. I would yeah, offer true. that I've watched a 14-person CSM that's in a dramatically more complex game uh, be able to, to produce documents of that nature it's not to say that they're that they're doing it better but there is a way and there is some power behind it as well uh, so but anyway i'll i'll push on unless anybody's got anything else to add on that because we've got quite a few topics to go to tonight all right no takers um we'll jump right into it so one of the items on the uh the trello board that ccp or toddy put up was a very ubiquitous term called meta level lockouts which then over the last probably two or three weeks, there's been a kind of a, a growing swell of uh, thread threads, probably more than definitely more than usual about um, limiting meta levels or gear levels, if you will, in different game modes or under different circumstances. And then it's also morphed into limiting squad type, squad composition, uh, a lot of very artificial constraints that are, are starting to get some, some groundswell. Some of, and a fair amount of it can, I think, be tracked back to the initial discussion that came up reference meta level lockouts. Now that's not a new thing. That's occasionally bubbled up before. Um, and what I'd like to do is kind of just kind of turn this out. Now, I, I don't know what CCP Rattati is thinking when he says literally at just meta level lockouts. I think that's about all he said. Um, I don't understand the mechanics behind what he wants to do, how he wants to achieve it, or what he wants to do. And I, I'm not even sure the CPM does. You might. Uh, or you, you likely won't even be able to talk about it. But just generally, I'd like to kind of throw that into the room is what are the positives and negatives of having, uh, I guess, gear level gates by game mode? 
is it that much less worse work than uh than actually doing a tier aside sweep? Because like, I mean, what did you ask for positives? So I'm gonna be the negative Nancy here. Um, Shocker. Do we <laughs> do we really need to split up into more subsets? I mean, are you talking like all of pub matches you can only use up to essentially advanced, you know, meta level caveats, but whatever. Um, is that the what we're talking about? Are we talking about going to advanced ambush or going to standard ambush? I, I don't really know. have there's, enough people. Well, there's <laughs> there's not a lot of detail on it. I kind of fall fall in where you are on this. I think that uh, you you don't have enough player base to split is the number one thing. Uh, I think generally, the, like the like the general vibe I get from the forums is that uh, they're looking at. I think in pubs at least like the thing where you're going to see the most um, fresh players out of the academy, basically uh, have that be limited to some form of metal level. Um, and then everybody else, I guess I assume free for all. Now I'm, that's a huge assumption on my part. Um, it, anybody want to take another stab at that CPM guys? Um, well, my, my view is I actually, I dislike metal level lockout as a thing. Um, it's probably the the only item on the roadmap that I, I wish would die in a fire and just disappear. But um, you know, I know it's a it's a popularly requested feature to somehow gate out proto suits from matches. But I, I think it renders the the point of having proto suits um, pointless because if you know, it's one of those things like if everyone's special, then nobody is sort of things. Um, if everyone is gated to a specific gear level, then gear levels are useless. Um, I do. I like the idea of being able to play a match in normal gear and then say, you know what, I really need to break out the expensive crud for this match and be able to do that. Um, I mean, the, the the problem is obviously is economic in that there are players who can afford to do that all the time as opposed to as needed. Um, and I, you know, I'm not sure what the greatest way to solve that is, but I don't think that gating it out is a good idea. Like if it's limited to say you know the people like the academy and a, and a lengthened academy maybe that that can mix people in or something you know more people in um with certain limitations maybe that might be something you know if it's if it's for new players but i i don't like the idea of um metal level lockout as a whole yeah i'm not a fan uh generally either i mean if you're gonna do it that way um instead of tier side then my opinion is you have to make those lower meta matches pay horribly so as to still drive people to the higher meta matches i mean if you want to go there just to you know chill out and not get destroyed by people that's fine but there should definitely be a cost to that for you and the cost should be payouts should be pretty low um so if you're going to go that direction i think you have to use that philosophy but i would still prefer a tier aside that allows basic and advanced suits to just simply be more competitive that's that's my wish i think uh, jason hit on something really important too though it's like depending on how you do it i mean how much do you subdivide the community because you only have a pcu that has a that can support 60 to 100 matches at any given time and then those are split already split between three game modes for public matches and then you also have um subdivisions from that um in faction warfare so I think it's a real touchy issue to go into because if you end up with two the pawns for each kind of meta level too small, then you can end up with some serious matchmaking issues. 
and speaking of like reward structure, so if you remove, um, if you remove all the people in frontline gear from you know a typical match, and you say, well, either you're either going to go into a you know a a real low match and get terrible rewards, or you're going to go into an advanced match, and <laughs> you know there there's no longer ever going to be someone underneath you, right? Um, I mean, of course. It's not so bad as a veteran, but if you're if you're a new player and you're just getting into like your advanced gear or something, like you're guaranteed to get wrecked, right? Yeah. Because it's, you it's now made it more again. killer. Um, I, is that really improving the new player experience? <laughs> that's that's an interesting point, Lether, because like at no point do you stop being the small fish. Uh, it, that's basically what you just laid out: is that you're going to go through multiple periods of of beat down <laughs> as opposed to one, one lengthy one up front and then you're done. Um, I, I actually came at this from a slightly different perspective. One, I, I, I think I generally agree with, uh, well, I guess I have to ask the room. Does anybody think metal level lockouts is like a good thing? Is, is there any I don't. <laughs> the only thing I could see it actually being of use for is if you extended the duration of Academy or you changed how Academy and NPE works and then use meta level lockout specifically in that so you don't have someone who's an alt goes in there gives their alt a bunch of money protos out like a weapon and some other things and then you know equips their alt with proto gear just to go and smash people in academy that's the only benefit that i can really see from yeah it. now i yeah now i kind of i'm with you on that one kane now i kind of separated that in my mind the like the academy is like i don't even consider that a game mode that's a you know that they're not in general pop yet <laughs> Um, although I don't know if you guys have caught this, but I've been watching Ameri a lot of They're America's lockup. So what I'm basically doing is I'm using a lot of prison metaphors for dust, and it's working out beautifully. Um, so w one of the things I see is this continual vibe that we need to have a form of metal level lockouts to prevent proto stomping. I, I th a lot of the veteran players have immediately tried to, when they weren't trolling people, tried to describe that the gear isn't nearly the impact as the experience level of the player I agree. and the rest of the squad that he's with. Uh, and that's and, and something that I don't element. think people, yeah, I don't think they, they realize that. Go ahead, Zell. The third element to that too is just the passive gain from skill points as well. Um, you've got the passive gain from skill points. You've got their experience with the game, how, you know, you've got that game feel down. You're probably using a weapon you're used to. So, you know, it's second nature to you, but also the, um, as well as the fact that most of the supposed proto stompers are in you know squads of four to six people on voice comms who are coordinating um there's there's uh, proto gear is you know it it's a benefit but it's not it's not the cause of of a cruddy experience right. and I, I i think that it's misplaced blame it's i think it's a misplaced blame i've seen throughout the entire life of the game uh, I, i'll take you up on that i i think that proto gear is a very substantial uh, increase uh, but i mean certainly the two things combine into an even worse experience like but i think it would i, I certainly wouldn't want to detract i think tear aside would work um yeah. wonders but yeah now and to your point earlier like when you you're opening salvo lether i would i would offer that you probably could uh generate a very hasty form of tear aside that would probably be very clean and very simple it wouldn't be very granular but it would be very simple and you would basically make the apex suits or something like the apex suit in that mode uh, 
you know, that like everybody gets proto gear, but it's basically you're limited by the CPU and PG on the suit. So that tells you what kind of modules you can fit period yeah. at the end. And I look, I think that would be a valid way of doing it. I don't, I honestly don't know if that would be more or less effort to do it. Uh, but I would, I would offer this. Um, I think any one individual player in Proto Gear is not going to make that much difference. Uh, I think, but again, it's more about when you have a squad full of guys that are running advanced to Proto Gear. Um, that it does, you know, probably the the raw numbers, the mathematical part of it, you know, weapon damage, you know, speed, things like that starts to add up. Um, one of the other noted things I've noticed is that um, there also seems to be this tone of uh, the the anti tryhard, and I've often wondered what exactly is a tryhard. Because it's really, I, I joked with a guy on the forums about this, and I, I, I don't want to call him, I don't remember his name, uh, but basically I, I said, okay, I'll, I'll buy that we can have a separate discussion on wearing different kinds of gear, but when you say you shouldn't try to win so hard, does that mean you should aim shittier? Should you not rep people? Should you not talk to them and coordinate? You know, should you not? I don't know, throw hand, throw grenades, use mass drivers, laser rifles, HMGs, heavies. Like what should you not do that equals try hard? Because I like I've, I've often seen like a, a squad of veteran players, not in proto gear for the record, uh, go in and absolutely steamroll because they knew what they were doing and they were working together. Um, and it's, and it's, and often it is not that hard to do. So it's not like even when you're going out and messing around, you're probably still in a position where you might be wrecking shop on people. So I, I think that, I think Zell really hit the nail on the head is there's a misperception that proto gear is this magical, like suddenly I don't, you know, I can now go 20 and three in every match when I can personally assure you that that is not the case. Well, that's fair too. And one thing I would, I would note is that, to me, that that has been something that has gone through the game. You know, these squads of uh, you know proto guys been there, mostly been on the receiving end because uh, <laughs> isk isk. I thought isk would matter. Used to think so, but anyway. Um, and I think the the bigger issue with that is is even if you you did a proper tier side pass, which would help a lot. There's still a problem that people are not incentivized. Uh, there's no place for them. Uh, of course, we'll talk about PC later, but PC has traditionally been uh, very janky. You can't really participate in that on your own terms. Um, and of course, Vac War is uh, not really rewarding. So any opportunity to to actually have a good coordinated game in a realistic way is <laughs> is either shitty or non-existent. Um, and that's kind of another piece of that puzzle when you run into um, four or five, six people in Proto, sometimes they're just <laughs> trying to get their fix. And I'd like to just say too that, I mean, not only would Tiracide help, but um, I also think it would help if you could incentivize and make rewarding the killing of Proto suits. I mean, I have a proposal out there right now that some of you may have seen with respect to salvage what you kill and I think if you had Tiracide and if you had something like that where people actually enjoyed being the underdog, actually enjoyed encountering a protosuit because of the rewards that might come with killing the person that's in it, um, you know, I think that would do a lot to help the situation as well. Well, something culturally, I think, that's not really displayed itself in this game that probably would be beneficial to something like that as well is ISK efficiency. It is a mantra in 
in Eve, but not but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a good thing for dust. But I think that in of itself, like disk efficiency being more of a prominent thing um, in the game, definitely drive people to make decisions. Okay, what can I do to accomplish my objective in the most efficient manner? Because I'm going to be rewarded, and I'm also going to be demonstrated at being effective by this kind of stat, so to speak. I think it will be it will be less effective. I you know there have been that comes and goes right you know there's a thread at some kind of characteristic frequency that comes up about isk efficiency my problem is there's nowhere to use isk right now other than in pub matches so like uh i think you would find that a lot of people it it might have some shift but it will not be as emphatic as as eve because people will still just want to blow your brains out well i think the other the other component of that is because the payouts are structured differently by uh, you know, by game mode, basically, you're it's like isk efficiency in a pub means something very different than it does in a PC, and dramatically different than faction warfare. So there, there's that component of it. I also would offer and in, in that isk efficient. I'm I'm actually a fan of isk efficiency. I'm a big you know that's that's one of my scorecards in Eve. But I until you can normalize the cost of suits um, in Dust. Like, and I'll, you know, I'll go ahead and throw it out. You know, like my, you know, my proto logi suits, anywhere between 210 and 230,000 ISK. That's more than a lot of tanks cost. Um, that's, you know, that's kind of ridiculous. So basically I can go, and I've, I actually did this yesterday, like, like no shit in an exact score. I, I think I went like six and three. No, no, correction. I went like six and four. And I earned half a million ISK, 500,000 ISK. I topped the war points by like 1,500 points more than the nearest competitor in the entire match. Yet I was still ISK inefficient. Um, now that's particular to the logis just because of the way the cost structure pursued is. But I like the idea of ISK efficiency, but you really need to, you have to level a lot of other factors to make that, I think, relevant. Does that, does that kind of make sense? Well, it's kind of like points on the opposite end, right? Because Logis make a lot of points. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. And a- actually, that's one I know because I play one. Well, somebody. Well, that that was the other thing. Is like uh, I don't remember who who threw it out there. It might have. Uh, it was one of the guys in one of our big Logis threads. Was he? He actually said, "Well, what you should go off is something based on your like war point efficiency you know, instead of ISK or KDR." You know, if that you know, he he was looking for a different metric to to judge performance on for Logis. It makes me kind of think to uh, Ruck Doc's uh, combo ratio that he came up with way back when on the uh, Dust Stats website, which sadly is no longer active. It was a uh, combination of, you know, war points per kill and, uh, you know, all basically uh, the combining all of the different stats that you get in order to, to make this uh, kind of magical number. Yeah, like, rep- a, like a quarterback rating. Eh. Eh. All right, just because you data, people don't, just as because a data scientist, don't, I very don't play... much fucking you know sports with like you know balls and cleats okay all right like i don't want to hear any nerd shit it's very hard for summaries like that to to bear any kind of relevance without like significant mathematical underpinning that's all Uh, yeah you and your numbers and math and like spreadsheets I, I was told earlier that, that numbers don't matter at all and that's all about you know field experience and anecdotal information that was a a fun thread even I would have said that, for the record. 
<laughs> well, I think what this comes down for me is that I like what the, the metal lockout is trying to achieve, which is currently the, the gap between the academy and general population is very sharp. It's very difficult to, to make that jump and it drives a lot of people away. And I think that the metal lockout is attempting to kind of smooth that transition out. Now I think the system, it's the, the, the metal locking is kind of clunky and I don't really like it. So any system that can achieve a similar goal would be great. Tier side is definitely a, an avenue worth looking down. But I mean, in general, whatever can make that transition from the academy to general population more easy to handle for new players is, is definitely get the seal of approval in my book because that is a big problem. A lot of people quit because of that, that jump between the academy and actually playing the game with all the crazy vets. Yep. I say mm -hmm. we go ahead and do the system anyways, because one more utility of um, doing a meta-level lockout and score system would be for tournaments. I mean, that's an interesting thought, but since when have we ever had a good tournament in Dust? Well, well player I, ran ones. Part, part of your problem with tournaments, though, is actually... No, 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 Kane's here. Huh? No, no good one. <laughs> part, part, of your, part of your problems with... with part, part of the problem with tournaments is is indeed having the infrastructure in the game to handle them properly. But I, I just, like, I don't know if that's enough of a justification to implement the... the I mean, like, it doesn't hurt to have a, a background capability to do something, but is it good to... to invest a lot of resources in developing the background capability to do something that may not be that valuable well put it a different way you know you you make it's an interesting insight but that's not the way ccp will look at it if they do it so just don't say that to them because <laughs> the, they'll definitely like you know figure out something weird to do with it so and no one will like it that's all i'm saying yep uh i can see where you're going with it uh and so I think we'll kind of push past the meta level lockouts. I, I did want to very, very briefly uh, kind of throw this one on the table just to kind of get a sensing round out to you guys. One of the spin out discussions from uh, from this, I think, has, at least on the forums, and I've, I've kind of been monitoring some of these, was uh, the meta of the game writ large. And the, uh, the there's clearly a perceived, I don't know if it's real or perceived, but there's clearly a a perception that it's all about, you know, 12 heavies on the field and, you know, uh, getting, you know, 15 people repping one guy or some crazy shit. Um, there seems to be a growing sort of panic vibe about that, that even turned into things like nerfing rep tools and all kind of, and a lot of dramatic changes to the people want to the heavies and the HMGs. Are, are you guys seeing anything like that at all? Like the, it, or, or, or is that literally just sort of like normal foreign paranoia? Um, I, I would say that heavies and the logies repping heavies is definitely way more common than it used to be. Now, whether it's actually problematic or not, or that's one thing I I, under, I wonder is if CCP can actually track um, rep tool usage, um, and you know, in comparison in comparison to like how you know with kills and and, and deaths and spawns and war points and stuff like that. Well, you can track how many HP like health points that you've healed because that's one of your end of match markers. But one of the one of the key um, things that CCP tracks is um, deaths per I mean not kills per spawn and that sure. sort of thing. And I just wonder if um, the rep tool is something that may fly under the radar now. Um, spider tanking is something that I've seen a lot more recently, though, too, where you have um, um, 
Lodgies with the uh, flux rep tool. So they're repping each other. The Lodgies are repping each other and they're also repping the heavy. So they'll be moving as a unit of three and those sorts of things. I see absolutely no problem with the current rep tool mechanic at all. Um, as I stated on the forums, uh, it's a team oriented sacrifice laden activity. These are guys who don't have guns in their hands now. They're giving up their offensive capabilities to bolster the defensive capabilities of another player. Um, I think the people who are frustrated with it simply do not know how to approach a Lodgy heavy combination. I, I can't, it's really not that complicated to, to, to bust that combo. If you're at range, if you know who the main target should be initially, which is the Lodgy, um, I think it's way way overstated as a problem and i in fact think it's a non-problem at all it just it, it doesn't seem like an issue and i think it's really just i think it's coming from the crowd who is anti-logy um who sees the support role as being one that should not be rewarded and it's just more of the same and it's just another call to nerf the logies and we've had enough of that already thank you very much i i'd i'd say that uh I don't. I think if there's a problem, it's with the heavy suit, not with the the logy side of it. And there's probably a problem with the heavy stuff. Like I find it uh, disconcerting when I, I actually played a few games uh, um, over over the break, and uh, it it's still the same way that it has been for the last six months. Back in like chromosome, I could see a heavy, and if I aim for his head and I I shot him real good in an assault suit. You know, we'd have a fight, right? They can't tell you who'd win, but we'd have a fight. Uh, I can't really kill heavies unless they're bad anymore. Like, and this has been something that has been like this for a very long time. And on top of that, the HMG... I've talked to the synergy between the H and HMG and Skirmish in particular as a game mode, um, but also the maps in general that are designed to be very close quarters. Um... When you make a game that has a ton of close quarters objectives, has a ton of close quarters forcing maps, and then you put in a high health uh, character With that does DPS. really well in close quarters, I don't know what fucking happens. Maybe everyone has 12 heavies and 4 logies. You know, it's, it's not exactly surprising. I can't tell you what the perfect solution is. Uh, some people have kicked around different things. Uh, I know that... Uh, was it breaking? Breaking stuff had an interesting little thing about uh, making the HMG more of a suppression weapon. I'm not sure about that, but it doesn't doesn't need a nerf. It doesn't. Uh, I still don't believe in suppression weapons as as a thing that exists. Yeah. Um, the what? only suppression weapon currently in the game right now that's actually successful in that role would be the laser rifle. Uh, well, by by non-existent, I, I mean in the terms of the game. Um, I think you end up in one of two camps. Either it really doesn't suppress much because nobody's really scared of it because they know it can't kill them, or it's effective enough that it's just going to kill them and it's not a suppression weapon. I don't think you understand. Like The reason that you're suppressed is because you don't want to get killed because you know it's a very lethal weapon. Like I mean, I'm, And I mean that like literally. That's like... That's why it suppresses that is, you. Yeah, that's I don't, why it suppresses I don't wanna, you. <laughs> I don't want to die, so I go for cover. You, just you, elect, you elect to disengage or to maneuver away from it rather than face it because it's that lethal. 
but the the actual lethal weapons just outright kill you without giving you a chance to run away. So that doesn't make a lot of sense that suppression weapons are just that lethal that you're that you run away from it. Well, that's what I'm saying. If you want an example of a suppression we- weapon in Dust, the only one really is um, the laser rifle. It's because the, it's the mass driver, is so yeah, the mass driver used to be that. Like you used to have to work around a mass driver. Uh, not not as much now, but the, I, th- yeah, I just think it's a matter of perspective, Zell, because I, I would tell you, like, the more lethal something is, the less likely I'm going to want to go anywhere around it. Laser rifles work really well. Snipers can get that way. Like, if you know that there's an area that that's where that guy's keyhole shot is, you're not going to go there unless you have to, you're, or, or you're going to be juking and moving. You're going to be doing a lot of things to, um, to, to break up that guy's ability to apply lethal power to you. Uh, and that's, that is maybe not suppression, but that's definitely disruption. Uh, so I, I would offer that, yeah, you, you, there really are, there really is such a thing as a suppression we- weapon. And I, I think, I think we have some, some burgeoning ones in dust. Maybe, maybe not. I kind of tend to agree that the laser rifle is definitely the most effective. I think the mass driver can be depending on the, on the situation, but to, to, to the general point, I didn't mean to get us into a rabbit hole. Um, I guess I've seen more, you know, I guess I've seen more heavies. Uh, but it's really map dependent, though. I tend to see a fairly good mix of suits. But this this goes back to an interesting question that I had about a totally relate, you know, separate topic. Is we, it was actually about rifles? Like how? Like if one of the components of balance is a more even usage of things on a sixteen-person team, how many of each kind of role and each kind of weapon should you have? Which then equals, wow, that was a balanced match because. Uh, there, there are too many variables, and frankly, with the number of choices that the choices and play styles and player capabilities that the player has, I, like if somebody wants to, to mob like you know ten heavies and two objectives in the middle of the city and leave three outlying objectives undefended, I'm all for that because I'll still win the match by taking three outside objectives, and I just won't go in there and pound my face in front of those ten heavies. Yeah, but no map has three inside objectives, Ex- like, except for two, like. Well, I'm sorry. So, I'm sorry. No, no map has three exterior objectives. Yeah, is what I mean. Bridge. Oh, bridge well, map. That's, that's that, that doesn't count. That does. that's, that, that's not how it <laughs> works. That yeah. map does not work Except like the that. The one that does have three doesn't count. Like seriously, that map is a straight line. Like you should not tactically think of that as as three outside. You should just think of that as its own thing. Um, like every other map that that, that isn't two maps with <laughs> that two maps side by side which is pretty much what that bridge map is um like that that's consistently one of the problems it's, it's one of the things that makes dust so close quarters well, in, is in like, a game where point defense matters and you have a specific class and weapon that excels at point defense seeing the point defense thing come out to play commonly doesn't seem like it would be much of a surprise it, it's something that has been escalating too uh, whenever heavies have not been nerfed into the ground, which is where they were for uh, a good span of time, right? They got completely nerfed into the ground after literally, like, the first two builds of the closed beta that I played. Um, Oh, those first two builds were so much fun, though, with them. Ah, shut the fuck up. (laughs) You were probably in one of those dropships, huh? Um, Anyways, you know, uh, the heavies were bad, and then they were finally buffed back up to, to into their role that CCP has always said that they've been in and they've been in point defense 
and, and then they rose in popularity kind of astronomically. So it's not unexpected. I think I think one of the other things, and I've heard more than one person say this to new guys, is like, hey, look, man, I know you're getting killed a lot. Why don't you just skill into heavies? Because you'll stay alive longer, you have more HP. So there, that may be anecdotal, but I have heard that on more than one occasion. Um, so we'll we'll kind of we'll kind of go ahead and and start moving along. But th- this was this is probably a topic that you can lay on to for a full show. Is what, what is the current state of like you know meta play in Dust based on what we have? I tend to agree with by the way with SMB, and I know. Yeah, I got the whole like you're just a, you know you're getting your, your logic bro handshake on, but the the reality is that you do make some trade offs. Uh, there's a lot of discussion about there, people really doing math on can you rep should you be able to rep through damage. I got news for you. I don't give a fuck how many rep pulls you got on you right now. You can't rep through um, a a single player's damage over time. Now, what you are likely able to do is outlast their ability to get past a magazine or apply your own DPS to kill them, but uh, you know, I would think I'm a pretty good Lodgy and I do have heavies die in front of me, you know, on more than one occasion. So th- that's just something to think about. And as SMB pointed out, the fastest cure to, for a Lodgy heavy combo is this thing called a core locust grenade. You know why? Because a heavy can survive the grenade. Most Lodgy suits can't. In fact, none of the Lodgy suits can unless they're brick tanked. And then you're losing a lot of other capabilities. Um, so let's, Let's kind of go ahead and, and bridge over to the uh, the state of the PC revamp. Um, now, this is this we actually have a really good crowd tonight to kind of talk about this um, with Kane, Lether, uh, Pokey. Uh, we we have a lot of guys that have been at the sort of the corporate level of PC work, and then I think everybody else in the room, for the most part, has done a fair amount of play in PCs. Uh, you squad leading, FCing, or you know, just random grunt on the ground or whatever. But there's a fair amount of um, you know experience in the room. So what I would like to do is kind of open this up initially to our three CPM guys, if if you can. I, I think Sarai, you and Iron Wolf may have been more involved in SMB, but spitball on that one. But have at it. Could you guys describe in a fairly pithy, a very concise way? What was the problem statement that CCP is working off of? Like, what are they? What did they want to achieve or fix with PC, with taking a hard look at PC? And we'll take that. Like, what what you say is like this is what they want to achieve, and this is what they wanted to solve. Um, or actually, what do they want to solve, and then what do they want to achieve by that solution? And then we can, I think, offer just some of the things that we've, some of us have either been working on or uh, things we've heard other other people talking about that might be potential components that get built into it. Um, I, I don't think, I, I don't, I think we're going to have a lot of ideas. So we, we'll try to limit the number of rat holes we go down and I'll try to keep us on point with it. But uh, I'd like to kind of turn this over to our uh CPM guys now, and if you guys can give us a little bit of a stage setter with kind of the problem statement and the the, the desired end state. Okay. Well, I, I think the biggest key thing is that uh, planetary conquest is is a territorial um, you know fight where where you you it's a first person shooter where you can actually um, claim something as as yours and it's it's persistently there and and everyone else can see your accomplishment your your flag on the ground um 
that it's it's the most CCP of the the game design um, of Dust, and that it it is kind of the unique element that that Dust brings to the table more than anything else that other games in the genre can't compete with or don't compete with, um, and. I think your problem with it is that it's broken and nobody uses it. <laughs> the one big thing that uh, CCP has recognized on what's one of the major issues for PC is um, accessibility. It's not very forgiving for new players to get in, well, new corps to get into. There's so much to understand and resources for it are everywhere for it, and it, there's no MPE for it, basically. Yeah, I remember uh, way back in the day uh, when I was in uh, 187. We had this one district, right, and there was this uh, no-name corp. Uh, it, was, it was like I think they brought like four guys into the into the battle. They didn't know what PC was at all. Pretty much, you could tell. And we you know we didn't know who these guys were. Maybe they were bringing like uh, I think it was we thought they might bring team players in or, or something like that. We didn't know at all, and you know they didn't know what they were doing too. And it was we pretty much drove them back to their MCC, and it's, you know, like you said, there's no NPE at all. They didn't know what they were getting into at all, and it cost, I don't know how much, you know, it cost for a clone pack at all. So yeah. they just spent a lot of money just to get stomped like that. Initially 80 million-esque, and then it went down to 30 million-esque, now it's back up to 50 million-esque, but um, it, I think um, Blyther pointed this out on the Trello board, is that there is no central document whatsoever for how planetary conquest mechanics work. It's literally like a dark art. You have to like make blood sacrifices and dig through forums in order to actually figure no out people. how any of it actually works. And even then, it still may not function as you think it does because you may be reading something that's outdated. And, and there's undocumented behavior. <laughs> and the undocumented behavior to go along with. There, there is undocumented behavior, I swear. <laughs> there's shit that does not work like it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. When has there not been on document behavior? I mean that that's fair in the history of the universe. It's just uh, it usually it's something that like the locking stuff where it's like you know the mechanics don't work because they don't follow the rules that were set, right? Um, in in the sense of like they just don't uphold them because of the programming error. It, the undocumented behavior I'm thinking of. There's some stuff with timers it's it literally contradicts what it's supposed to do <laughs> like it's not like oh i didn't think of that it's like oh it just doesn't do what the rules say yeah <laughs> so another question for the cpm uh you guys mentioned that ccp has addressed that accessibility is obviously an issue uh concerning pc are there any other core issues that they have recognized and, and hope to fix um, I, I think that the big one we discussed heavily was the idea of being able to um, pull income without, you know, through, through your your profit is, is, it is more profitable in many cases to be buddied up with everyone who might be your opposition than to actually fight people. Hated that. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, anything else? Another Sticks thing that I've exploits. always... Say again, wanted to, uh, Iron Wolf, you first. Fixing exploits, especially like the self-locking things. Okay, I, I think that would go back to a little. I see where you're going with that, but I think that goes a little bit to Leather's point. SMB. Yeah, something that's always frustrated me about PC, and you know, I don't know if 
any of the upcoming PC changes is going to address this, but I've always been frustrated by the lack of uh, persistent fighting that takes place in PC, how it's, you know, so, so much timer based and there's, there's not enough other opportunities to fight. I mean, I find that the 16 man battles that you have in PC are some of the most exciting experiences that you're going to find in dust. And the fact that you have to wait 24 hours to fight just one of those, um, or none of those, if you're a corp that is not able to access PC currently, is really frustrating. I mean, in, in many ways, it's the best thing that Dust has to offer, and then we get so little of it. So I'm hoping that, that at some point they're going to offer you know, other avenues within the realm of PC that allow us to have more fights um, so that we can enjoy that experience more often. You know, just as a total, by the way, I appreciate uh, the CPM kind of responding out to this one. But basically what I was trying to do is take a systems engineering approach of like, you know, when you have a problem statement, it's literally like you should start these type of discussions uh, from a design standpoint with what is the problem? Like, what what are we trying to achieve or solve? Because if you don't start with the problem uh, and do a very good job of defining it, you're going to end up having some really incredible and intu- and uh, and creative solutions to the wrong problem. Um, and I see that time and again, no matter what venue you're talking about. What what PC ultimately is is it, it is a systems uh, generated. Uh, it, it is it is it is a system that generates different inputs and outputs to act as a service in terms of a game mode. And without understanding what you want the players to be motivated by positively and negatively, and then really achieving that, it's kind of hard to come up with it. But it also kind of ties back to everything you guys just said is like really understanding what is it that you wanted to do. Um, A good technique I've seen the other people use in similar problems is in in an unconstrained environment, what would you want this to look like? And then you start applying practical constraints to that to get it to the end state. Like, what do we want this thing to look like uh, in the end? Uh, so I, I'm, I'm hoping that you guys and or CCP Ritadi and, and his team are using some sort of, you know, fairly known like design analytic uh, to, to go through this or a, a systems engineering process. Because that's really some, that is something that you can apply to PC that would, I think, start to lay the groundwork for what Lethar described, you know, and Kane described as sort of the dark art is, how do you map the system? And when you can map the system and then make that known, I think that helps your design process much, much more. I mean, I know that uh, in the community, one of the things that I really uh, was happy to see at the when the discussions opened up is uh, I, like, a, like an obsessive freak, tried to get everyone to talk about design goals for that exact reason. And Accessibility comes up from almost everyone. It is an interesting point. Um, I know persistent ownership kind of comes up, but that's like that. That one feels like the trivial one, right? Like <laughs> because it's it's sort of the core of PC. Um, one of the interesting ones that was thrown around was a uh, ability to associate. Was what I I called it, and uh, other people had other ways that they phrased that. Um, the current PC mechanics actually don't allow you to associate with people freely. Um, in fact, they allow you to associate with nobody freely. Uh, your association is not attacking. It's it's all outside the mechanics, right? Um, I mean, surely there can always be 
diplomatic alliances uh, coordination. But that that's not the game mechanics. That's everything else. So yeah. it's very binary. Uh, like you're saying, it's very binary. Either you're attacking someone or you're not attacking someone. No, like rating options or anything. <laughs> well, it's in terms of the mechanics from the lens of of just looking at it. Like you know. What am, what is my corporation doing to another corporation in in PC right now? You you're either lodging an attack, you are holding a defense, or you're doing nothing. Um, but you are are never able to contribute resources. For instance, you're yeah. never able to. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that seems so trivial, you know. Uh, when back when the big alliances were were starting up, when PC first dropped, it's. I remember the first day, in fact, this is a good story, uh, we were dropping clone packs, and uh, I think United Owners Service, uh, who was in Ruffle at the time, attacked uh, I, Jackal's Corp, uh, TESOL, um, like three times, because we were going for similar district <laughs> districts in the plan, and there's no distinction. There's no ability to retract that, there's no ability to, to do anything which seems really strange um for the new eden aesthetic at least to me it's like new eden is about choice it's about like you know uh about being able to associate so the mechanics not supporting that and in fact enforcing aggression is very odd yeah yeah i think that was off the top of my head uh you know i come i come at pc from the perspective of you know you know, Joe veteran player uh, or Joe player period is, uh, and I think SMB hit on this, by the way, is PC matches can be a, are a lot of fun. They really highlight the, the upper competitive level of dust and it really um, hits the nail on the head, at least for me personally in a game of uh, actually putting 16 people in the field with an FC and having squad leaders, running squad, different comms, disciplines. I mean, you're actually, it, it reminded, it. it's very much like what I do uh, in the military, uh, you know, on a much smaller scale, obviously, but, you know, in dust is much smaller, but the mindset that goes behind it is, is not dissimilar. It's very similar to like a, um, you know, more than a pickup game of football. Let me put it that way. Um, and I think that's something that, Dust it does have this unique because there's really not a lot of other games that can offer you something bigger than like two to, to four person co-op play. Whereas Dust, this is one of the few that, that you can really get into some really tactical red meat. Um, and I think it's a shame that we don't have more access to it. So having one match every 24 hours is crazy. Uh from my perspective. And then you get all keyed up and you get a lot of people on and you can only take in 16 guys and it's a pain in the ass. Um, that was, that was a beef that I had. It was also a beef that like basically uh, force projection in dust is, is, I mean, there, there are no issues with force projection for the most part. So, you know, 25 guys can control huge swaths of terrain if they stack their timers correctly, uh, which I think is fucking absurd. Um, I also don't like the idea that uh, like you have to have these successive battles, these basically 15-minute battles spaced out by 24 hours over three to four days uh, to secure a district. Uh, I would like – I just literally just thought of, this is certainly not a, a planned, planned maneuver here, but when SMB was talking, what it made me think of is 
I would really like to see, like, you have to defend that district for like, like, like two hours, you know, like an hour and a half or something. And it's just match after match after match on that map. Uh, I, I would love that. And then you could even, you can even have like the defenders stay the same, but if they, but if, you know, somebody wanted to bring in a different set of attackers, like, Hey, we're losing, we're going to lose this, you know, three out of five here, but let's call in like a Merc Corp to come in and try to secure the last two wins. Like that to me would be something where it'd be worth waiting 24 to 48 hours for a single match. I think one of the other things though, is that, um, that's problematic. Like when you mentioned, like, you know, you get all geared up and it's like, you choose, who do you choose as your 16? I think one of the problems you currently see in PC is that the stakes for any given match, I think having high stakes match and matches, like you're saying, is, are incredibly important. But I think in terms of, of opening up that accessibility, though, you need to have matches that aren't so critical. Like, okay, it's either if we don't win this, then we lose the district. It needs to be like, if we don't win this, then our incomes are hurt or the pro- our productivity is decreased or, you know, there's some other minor um, but, you know, impactful reason, you know, impactful thing happens to your district, but making everything to where it's like to the extreme of the stakes level makes it to where commanders and corp leaders and stuff like that make the decisions of, oh, I want to only field the best or I only want to have these top tier players and that sort of thing, you know, yeah. and and only that it makes it to where. When the stakes are so high, you want those timers, but maybe if the stakes are less, you can have things that are more immediate, too. Uh, one of the interesting things to, to bring up as we discuss the mechanics is the morale problem associated with the, the very high stakes in, uh, in PC. Because it, in my experience, it's not always that you don't want to field a mid-level team. You know, uh, in in some circumstances, the problem is, you you can't, <laughs> you literally can't if they're going to lose, if every single person on the team, if they lose, is going to lose. Oh, I don't know. We run this calculation over and over again. It's going to lose, you know, some odd million isk, right, and get nothing back and, and screw off with salvage right now. Um, you can't you can't take people into that because they will get playing dust very, 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 very quickly if they don't have a higher than 50% win ratio. I've watched it happen. It's really sad. Yeah, and you raise a good point that it is that when every battle is high stakes, you're less encouraged to let anyone other than your best play. I mean, we've had the issue where it's almost like, okay, well, can we afford to, to give this guy a, a chance to play PC? You know, can we afford to drop? some of our top tier guys for, for someone who's a little less experienced. And I, I don't think that you should necessarily have to make that choice. I think there should be situations in which people can gain PC experience, but not um, during a, a critical match where you really do want to have your top guys there. And I mean, that, that definitely is, is part of the accessibility problem. Well, that, that was one of the original ideas behind that we had had internally was using faction warfare. It, like, and, and this is just an aside, by the way. It's not like a, a uh, I'm not fishing for a topic, but literally a lot of a lot of people's ideas was you, you if you had team deploy in faction warfare, you would use that as a way of building PC experience, which you effectively um, have already. No, but no, you don't. It's not it's just not practical. It's just not, it's not um, practical. Repra- yeah, no, well, you said it correctly, Jim. No, it's, it's not, not practical. Repra- it's it's not practical experience for PC. It's not represented. No, it's it's also not a practical PC. way to get no. It's perfect. To get three squads it, works, in. it works fine. 
You could get sort three quads in regularly. It works fine. Yes. That's it not what I asked fine. you. So I, I think I think you're insane, by the way, if you think that that's that's any way, shape, or form like a way to to try to get into a match. Uh, you know, particularly if you're trying to practice, like you don't like if you're in a football team, you don't have like like you have position practice. Like the, imagine like squads practicing on their own, uh, or you might have like eight on eight drills or something. But at some point, you want to do this thing called a scrimmage or like live play, where you bring the whole team together. You there's no there is no venue to do that in dust. Okay, quick aside about Fackworth. This is about PC, but quick aside about Fackworth is that hard enough. Just because you can do it doesn't mean that it's it's actually usable. And in this case, it's hard enough that it takes too much concentration for the people who are organizing to set up a proper queue sync. And there's too much unpredictability. Maybe a squad doesn't get in. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, I can't remember what I said first. Doesn't matter. Uh, it's too inconsistent. So between I, those two things, between those two it's things, it's it's not it's usable. Not a- no, it's not usable for a different reason. It's it, team deploy works in 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 that it probably works better than it really should, given that it puts people against people who are not team deploying. The problem with using Facwar as PC as a goal for gaining PC experience is that Facwar is not hard enough to give anyone an idea what PC experience is actually like. If you can get 16 people into a game consistently and you can get them set up correctly, there's a lot of experience that you can give people. It's Team players actually used to do this when they were warming up, like Malden Heath uh, Police Department, or K might correct me, you might remember the actual thing. Warming up, not training. Like, no, no, like, no, Cubs run, took um, the... In, yeah. terms of, in terms of our doing our procedural executions, in terms of, like, who's gonna, where are the dropships going to deploy? Who's going to be in what dropship? How are you going to take the points? Who's going to go to what area? You could do pretty effective... How can you do that without, without any way to choose your map? You could even do it. It doesn't matter, because the, the same tactics run basically the same for every map in Dust. It's just one of the things. The same tactics I, work. I don't agree with that, but... And worst, ca- okay. worst case scenario, you're uh, you're teaching people uh, things like don't call in vehicles at the beginning of the game if you're not supposed to. You're teaching people go with these people to your squad. You're teaching people don't spawn in. All these things are are things that you have to know and you have to teach people. Are they com- they are completely ineffective at PC. Getting them into those matches takes way too goddamn long. If we would have just taken the flipping gloves off of Faction Warfare from the beginning and made that another team-oriented game mode where you went in as a team, and if you didn't, that was on you. I mean, the fact that we're we're trying to coddle people in two game modes, pubs and Faction Warfare, I think is ridiculous. And we have an opportunity to make Faction Warfare an amazing meta-driven game mode where people recruit for a reason, they they team deploy, they, they get into alliances, they're trying to improve their position in the game mode through numbers, and we have done everything that we have possibly could to just make it a second pub mode. It's just skirm with different incentives and it's boring and it's missed the mark. Well, and only that it's country often, mile. It's often a losing proposition because of the, the increased level of play that often happens in the game mode. And while LP is definitely in a much better place, um, the lack of tangible rewards like, you know, ISK or it, it needs actual ISK rewards. Well, see here's, and I'm, we'll, we'll kind of, let's bridge over to, you know, another, another PC related topic here. I kind of move on from this one to the kind of thing I just offer. Cause I don't really want to go too far down the fact road, fact war road is I, I don't, 
I think if you added a team deploy function to FACOR, what you effectively get is a much lower stress environment with which to build your organization that you then use for the much smaller amount of time that you would be playing. Because th- think about it, we could get together and uh, you could have, a f- like, you could be playing FACOR like every night, but then you have like your one, two, maybe three nights a week you know, for the average corp that they're going to try to defend or an attack in a district. And that's like, and that, that's really what you have, what you're working around is your fact war is how you build the organization and you hone it. And, and oh, by the way, if you have team deploy, I'm going to tell you right now, because you're working off timers and PC, where is every other organized team going to go? Fact war. So you're going to see a lot, a lot of bigger teams, more than like individuals uh, for the most part, joining into, um, into FACOR. And what you're also going to see is things like uh, basically kind of in EVE, you have these things called NPSI, not purple, shoot it. So like you're not red, you're not blue, you're in a, you're in a pickup fleet. Like the channels that we have in dust, like, you know, anime empire, the friends channel, or, you know, XMLX and stuff like that. Those are basically NPSI channels where you all just get together from the channel from across different corpse and you're, and you're working together, but I, you're going to see a higher level of organization within the first 30 days if you instituted te- uh, team deploy and fact war. And I think that would very directly contribute to people's ability to compete in PC, which is a much, much lower um, tempo in terms of the number of matches that you, you could possibly play unless you own shit, 10 districts. Um, I don't know what the average number of districts a corp used to hold before we started getting into, you know, trying to control large swaths, but if you if you had like three districts, you would you could stay pretty fucking busy over a week, like real busy, particularly if somebody was really gunning for you. And you know, to that point, Jason, um, if you had you know this team deploy system in faction warfare, think of all the breathing space that creates in pubs, and we wouldn't be having this discussion about meta level lockouts and all this other you know stuff that actually could hurt the game and not help it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I just don't understand why we didn't go that direction to begin with. And anyone who's played mag will tell you that this, this team deploy system that we currently have, the, this Q syncing, it's a joke. Uh, mag had a clan deploy system that was silky smooth. It would send up to 32 guys into a match without any incident whatsoever. And, uh, it was a beautiful experience and it was, it was the best time you could possibly have playing a game, getting on, signing on with your guys, all 32 of you go into a match, you're on comms, you're playing matches all night long together. You couldn't ask for more fun. And I think dust really missed the, you know, the, the mark by not bringing that into faction warfare. And I hope maybe, you know, they'll, they'll consider making some changes that, that are geared in that direction, but uh, that's clearly not where we're at now. Well, I mean, it, it, it seems that, you know, CCP is definitely going in a different direction. Um, I know that I think several of us here would have liked to see CCP do something more with faction warfare than it currently is. But um, I do think that there are opportunities in, in a way to structure um, aspects of planetary conquest to accomplish some similar goals. Um, you know, I think it's just there has to be – it takes a lot of legwork because you have to figure out, okay, so if we're going to have stuff that happens, you know, with the lower stakes. We're going to have stuff that happens sooner in PC. Why did those things happen sooner? What are the rewards for those things happening sooner? You know, it, what are the rules of the game for quicker fights? 
Um, but if those things can be settled on and executed, you could end up with low pressure environments, you know, low stakes, lower, relatively lower stakes anyway, and get some of that PC training. I think probably the most important part of the proposition so far in terms of the planetary conquest stuff is the idea of the war barge or the war barge flotilla, whatever, however you want to call it, um, being like that fallback. Because I think one of the things is PC was geared up and designed to smash people out of it and to make people and drive people out of PC. Like once you lost all of your districts, you then were confronted with a high um, buy-in cost to get back into it. Um, um, I think with the, the barges and the flotillas and the clone vat idea where you can slowly generate, uh, um, instead of buying clone packs, you generate reactivity clone packs. Um, and that sort of thing is probably the most important aspect of, of some of the upcane, upcoming uh, proposals in terms of increasing uh, accessibility. I agree, and that was that was something I think everybody was is is very very um, positive on um, right right from the outset when we were discussing what you know what sort of things needed to happen um, because I think that that's going to be one of those key examples where players you know if you're in a corp that's not active you know successful in PC you don't have a district right now um, if you're getting free clone packs you're hopefully going to use them um, and and use the you know that's going to be your practice and yeah you might get smashed but at least you didn't drop 50 mil plus your gear to get smashed um and obviously i'm i'm hoping later phases definitely create those those other matches that are that are not conquest based that allow for some kind of lower pressure matches but the the clone packs is definitely the the big thing to me i think it's the most important part of the entire warbard system proposal I mean, I've been, I've been very excited, kind of ratcheting it back a bit. That well, not very excited. Haha, <laughs> that's me after all. Um, I, I've been a little bit excited that Rat did not uh, shut down after making the roadmap po- post in the first place because uh, that post was very. Uh, I was a tad alarmed. It was good to have a post, especially the fact that it was on like Christmas Eve or something. And, you know. Uh, Whatever deity blossom, but um, it was alarming to see this kind of uh, mentality of, well, we came up with uh, this kind of lore-based war barge thing, and it's just going to fix everything. <laughs> like, and that's that scared the bejesus out of me because uh, I was afraid that they wouldn't be looking at um, pursuing something different with PC in the first place, right? Um, and uh, you know, the idea that we would introduce this war barge, which in the end is just a, a lore excuse for a bunch of interrelated mechanics, right? Um, and that we would, like, paste this on to the existing planetary conquest just, just scared the shit out of me, because it's like, that's exactly what you do not want to do, because if, if there were anything usable in the existing planetary conquest in the sense of how it inter- how the different subsystems interact and come together... Like, we, we would have said it, I mean, like, geez, everyone has been, there's been much, much gnashing of teeth kind of thing, trying to figure out <laughs> something other than cutting pacifisk, which has been the only thing that anybody could think of for the past uh, year to, to do anything with it, um, given the resources. So, so granted that we have a redesign, uh, and, and on the, the topic of clone packs, I wanted to 
to bring up a, an interesting idea that um, that has been gathering some steam, which is simplifying uh, simplifying the solve system out of the realm of clones. Um, and this is something I I was kind of thinking of. In a lot of the ways the subsystems work with clones, it, it's a super granular and a super, frankly, nerdy um, way to to have the, the system work. Um, not only do clones interact with almost every single part of the game when you're playing PC, they affect with your in-game win condition. They play with your match scheduling. They play with whether you own a district or not. Um, and they used to play with your economic incentive. They used to do absolutely everything. Um, and, of course, that has been toned down a bit and probably needs to continue being toned down and redesigned. But one of the other things is that it's it's really damn confusing to know how many battles you have left on a district, how many battles you can have against a person with a given number of clones, and the attrition system is overcomplicated and doesn't work. Even when it had larger attrition values, it it was bad. Um, so the suggestion that I came up with was to uh, nix uh, clones for the purposes of solve, for the purposes of owning districts, and replace them with uh, Pokey-suggested MCCs. Um, so these are these just come in blocks of one, right? Um, and so in battle, uh, the attackers and defenders, when they're fighting, would have some sort of characteristic number. I spat out 180, um, 150 is the typical pub match number, but it's completely unrelated to the logistics. And then if you run out of MCCs on a district, uh, you lose the district. So I wanted to throw that out there for some discussion. It's kind of more meaty than, than the theoretical stuff, but it has been picking up some steam. So. Well, I mean, we've always talked about it a little bit but uh, internally, but I, I think that, I mean, typically speaking, you send, or at least the clone packs, the same number every time anyways. And you can send clones, but typically you send, you know, a certain amount of them. I think simplifying it would certainly make it a little easier, and I don't think it would have that much of a negative impact on on kind of the flow of, of resources, and it made it a little more easy to understand rather than, well, yeah. you know, I mean, we've brought up the fact that we've had, you know, PC matches where you have 20 clones left, and it's like, well, this is kind of stupid. You know, why, why are we bothering defending with 20 clones? Because we're going to lose it anyway, so, you know, what's the point? If you if you degranulize the, the system a bit, then it's a little more clear-cut on when an actual win-loss is, and it kind of cuts out unnecessary battles that are have a predetermined end anyways, you know? But yeah, basically, rather than it being a set granular number, it's like you have this many battles to win before you take the district, or you have this many battles to lose before you can no longer attack anymore. That I think, would be a way simpler way to do it. I, I mean, I, like I said, I wasn't I was the off-the-cuff thing about just having a, a series of battles. Like, if you want to stay with the whole timer thing, got it, but have, like you know, best three of five and, and do it right there at one shot. Uh, I think that that's, I like the idea of moving to something other than the clone pack system, which, and, you know, and, and to Luther's point, you know, it was, it was, it was definitely saturated throughout, throughout multiple different mechanics within the game, probably too many. I, I think, I think the original idea was, it, you know, probably okay like if we can if they continue to build 
complexity and system linkages in Dust and particularly how they might have eventually linked to Eve, you could kind of stay with something that, that provided that level of granularity and that level of uh, saturation throughout different systems. But the way it is now, I, I like the, I'm starting to like the idea of keep it simple. How many wins and losses do you have? Like you start to battle with X number of MCCs, don't fall below three, you know, whatever. Uh, I think that's a, that's something that is very easy to understand and to capture uh, for most people. And to that point, it, it's not like it's not a negative if if you've ever played pc battle had no idea what's going on with the clones because that shit's nerdy as hell and i'm a huge nerd but like it's it's very hard to convey to anybody who hasn't like you know poured over the you know ancient tomes exactly what those numbers mean right um so uh, a big element of of pc that has been kind of missing is you know the the kind of brothers in arms war kind of we're going to fight over this and we're going to win lose element there has been some of that but a lot of it has been obscured by complexity in the wrong places and so the i think i think ultimately the the original clone pack mechanisms like when i was first getting into the game and understanding like trying to dig into what what all that meant i i think now kane you this is probably maybe something you could help out with but it struck me that that was the mechanism they were trying to use almost as a force projection governor uh, originally, but it ultimately became one of the tools that allowed you to kind of project anywhere. Not, aside from the whole, like I can teleport from one side of Moldneath to the other uh, instantly, which is fucking ridiculous. Um, was that one of the original ideas behind the clone? So the, I think the whole clone structure. Really, the original idea behind the clone pack was it's a starter pack. Like you even the even um, this is actually even touched on in one of the dev blogs, the balancing of planets. Um, Fox War actually mentions how they originally called clone packs starter packs. Um, they were kind of geared up towards it. That's how you break into PC. And they then were originally you originally not gonna let people buy them if they had a district. Well, yeah, and then and then. Um, it basically, uh, uh, what happened was is the um, the logistics of moving clones was such a pain in the butt. I mean, I know um, run, being an imperfect, nobody wanted to wait for clone regen. Nobody wanted to deal with moving clones around on the map. Everybody was like, oh, let's go, 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 go. And so everyone's like, we're going to buy in clone packs, even if it costs us a billion isk to take this planet or take these or take this cluster of districts. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons that I wonder if the problem was miss like you were saying before what's actually the problem um they went through and you know reduced the cost of the clone pack um reduced the numbers that the clone pack had which was a horrible horrible change for anyone trying to make it break into pc um and then they increased uh, they decreased the attrition rate of clone movements which basically nullified any importance that geography had uh, Not- in molten heath not that it had much in the first place. I mean, uh, speaking to what <laughs> speaking to what Jay was saying, though, you know, like trying to anticipate what they were trying to do with the clone starter pack. The answer, Jay, is is very kindly that they were extremely rushed, <laughs> um, and that I think that they did. I think that given what we know now about what their development schedule probably looked like for that, they they did better than most of us probably could have. Um, <laughs> but they still didn't have the type of resources they needed to create planetary conquest. Remember Uprising 1.0, they were introducing a bunch of new racial gear, 
new maps, um, planetary conquest, uh, Facwar. They were changing Facwar. Yeah. Um, what else was there? Jesus, like they had like a million things popping off. Go ahead. For uprising. Now, who was, who was trying to break in a second ago? Just Kane. Oh, so okay. they, I mean, they also, you know, completely revamping aiming mechanics. I mean, a bunch of whole, a whole bunch of other things. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, it's I like, think for what they, the resources that they have, they definitely made a heroic effort of it. Um, the problem, you just because that because they tied um, the thing that got you money to the thing that made you wage war with. We just were just you know plagued with problems of self locking. But you don't want to you don't want to wage war because waging war costs your profits. Yes. Well, and and also, you know, as I mentioned earlier, it's not just that it's their length. You have an in-game win condition, clone count, that's linked with that. You have uh, you have the sovereignty mechanics. You have the actual sov about whether you own or don't own a district that were, was associated with that clone number. And if there's anything that I think that we should take away from, from what happened with the original mechanics is that you cannot tie that many mechanics together. You can't tie that many uh, you know buttons that you can press into one number and expect to be able to balance it's insane right like it's it's insane that uh that it even barely worked when you really think about it well here's here's something like again you know the the advantage of having the group of people we we have here talking is we've all been around for a hot minute you know uh some of us you know, before beta, some of us, you know, since right after it went live or whatever, but we've all been here for a long time. The majority of the players out there are, are probably guys that have very little context for most of what we've been talking about. And that's what really goes down when I, when I start thinking of, if I, if I pick up this game like a month ago and then somebody's ex- trying to explain that there's this thing PC where you can go out and you can own a planet, you can do all this other stuff. Like, could anybody explain any of this shit to me? No, but what you can explain to me is you need to win three out of five. You need to win, you know, you got to win X number of matches in a two hour, like in a two hour period. If you're going to, if you're going to, if you're going to defend your district, uh, then it's open season on your district for two hours or whatever in your like an attack window. Like that, like you can explain something like that and, and you can understand it very intuitively and then you can work your way around it uh but the way that previously they they did it it was it was, it was very sketchy uh you really had to sit down and basically get a class from somebody who you just hope knew what they were talking about well i mean it really comes down to when you start digging into the the design mechanics of trying to get this to work you quickly realize that it is a freaking mess it is obscenely complicated and anywhere where you can cut out unnecessary complexity like clone counts and break it down to a simple you know three mcc sort of deal it makes things a lot easier there's no reason to have additional logistical crap that team uh you know organizers have to think about when they can just go we've got this many attacks we have to win this many to take the district it, it, it makes it much more enjoyable for the player and it makes it easier on the design phase as well when you can just cut out unnecessary complexity that didn't really add much to the game in the first place. And I, I think that anytime you can do that, it's going to make it a much better, smoother, easy to understand system for people organizing it and those who are playing it. 
Yeah, I mean, and, and not only logistical complexity that made it difficult to understand, but logistical complexity that allowed, um, you know, district num numerical superiority would allow you to completely snowball the competition. Like, winning the logistics game in Planetary Conquest is so straightforward, you know, you just, okay, if you have, if I have... Um, 10 more districts than you do, then I just send attacks at you over and over and over again while I regenerate on my end and lock you out because maybe you don't have the ISK resources to counterattack with clone packs. And I just keep on attacking you until eventually I win enough, you know, that I grind you down. Um, the, the logistics right now are so free from any kind of, um, um, localization at all so like you know you can't it, like you, as people have said before it doesn't matter if you teleport across the entire map um it the it's it's funny because it's both and way too easy to game but at the same time far too hard to understand in in fact the the current system and this is something that uh when trying to look at what a new system could look like um, is very difficult. Um, decentralization is actually encouraged um, because districts can, are self-contained. They do absolutely everything you could ever want um, a thing to do logistically. Um, there's no reason to have them together. It's actually stupid to. Um, there's there's an idea of, of clone movement to friendly districts um, that nobody has used forever. <laughs> and shut up, you person who's going to contradict me. No, you haven't. Um, <laughs> Like, uh, and part of that was the the messiness of of clone movements, but another part of that was just the 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 locking mechanics. Actually, now that I think about it, like the, there's a ton of complexity there that was introduced because and never knowing how like, long your district is locked actually locked for. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the that's where that undocumented stuff starts happening. Uh, uh, although it's supposed to follow, like it. I don't know. They, they did some very janky stuff that made it... One of the things that, that's interesting, the current mechanics that we should probably try to avoid coming up is gridlock for gridlock's sake, slowdown for slowdown's sake. I don't see, you know, the idea of moving uh, in, in clone movement right now. If you move 150 clones to a friendly district, the district that receives the clones cannot do anything for a little bit more than 24 hours to... Almost forty-eight hours, or that's how it works. Or longer if you get or, the well, weird or the weirdness. Yeah, if you claim if you claim an unclaimed district, um, it will take longer. If you set it at a if you change the timer, if you change the reinforcement timer and then immediately lock it, that's that does some shit. Um, but who cares? The point is that it it, it takes at least twenty-four hours, even with that undocumented stuff, like. And this was obviously out of some sort of fear of, like, relay races, you know, like, I'll transfer 150 clones here, and 150 clones here, and 150 clones to the surface research lab. Uh, we've got to have a system that intrinsically works better than that. Well, it was... well I think, uh, just I'm just going to, I'm kind of trying to bring this down to maybe a more, um, uh, a more vanilla level, uh, but... Would it make sense, like, let's say if you've got eight districts on a planet that, that like, as you pointed out, Letha, they kind of all, they're they're very homogenous thing, a district. Would it make sense if perhaps they did some different things that tied back to your war barge modules or your war barge advantage, like, you know, district type A, B, and, a and B do this, C does this, D does that. 
And then perhaps if you own all the districts or the majority of the districts on a planet, you get, you know, kind of a completionist bonus. You know, it's a pretty, pretty common thing. You know, like you complete the set, basically. Um, and I think within a planet, you can move clones basically with no with little to no penalty. Uh, and then you have greater penalties to try to transfer. Clo- like if you were still using the clone mechanic, I guess you, you could in theory use some form of an MCC style mechanic. But um, does it does that kind of make sense? Like making making like the actual terrain matter in terms of the logistics of it? Because I'll be honest with you, I like the idea of having some kind of tools that allow for greater strategy, like kind of the bigger chessboard stuff. I think that's something that there really needs to be cooked into this because it's then it's then it's more than just having 16, 16 guys with, with a great gun game. It, there's actual thought behind what puts them on the field. So it it's good that you bring that up. That that's something that actually has recurred quite a lot in, in a lot of discussions, um, and, and something that I've been really uh, hammering on about is separating the logistical um, each district. Uh, any surface and infrastructure into a single logistical use uh, so that you have interreliance. Um, you know, it, it's if you have a single district, you're probably going to need to to park, well, th- this gets into some other stuff, but you're probably going to need to park a war barge or something over it if you only have one, right? Because it just can't support itself. Um, but to, to give you an idea of the, the kind of questions that you have to then ask are um okay so you've you've split up uh you split up the logistical mechanics but that means that people do need to own more districts than they do now um if you're if you're a reasonable team you actually only need like five to eight districts at max right now um unless you're you're uh, gunning for something of course that's partially uh that's partially has to do with the fact that the uh, population is atrophied but um perhaps at a different way in the current mechanics you you should either own more than neon sun or or like five <laughs> there's no point because as kane says if someone can flood you <laughs> then they, there's not that much difference between getting flooded on uh you know on a differential of 10 districts and a differential of 15 or 20 um and the extra ones are just extra vulnerability Okay, cool. So under a, a more localized system where, um, honestly, we've been imagining attrition as being much uh, much more restrictive, um, you know, uh, if only to simplify the amount of complication that's involved. Because uh, the even under the old attrition bonuses from PC 1.0, um, the, you could still get like four jumps out if you have enough clones. And, and this is kind of one of those the big boys have the advantage thing because the only people who can afford to throw clones for jumps and have like half of them die are people with way too many clones. <laughs> um, once you do this amount of geographic centralization and uh, expand the number of districts people want to have, you get into questions about how much more vulnerability is that? How much more, uh, well, you know... I mean- I still think that um, Jason touches on a good point that I think having synergy between districts that are located close together, aka like on the same planet or something like that, could be a significant driver. Now, I think one of the problems that I think me and you have even talked about is the fact that 
I could actually be, I could be friends with a neighbor that has a district right next to me. But currently in current game mechanics, if we're in different corporations, there's no way to friendly to in a, a friendly positive way exchange you can have. Yeah. So let's say I'm producing MCCs and this person's producing uh, uh, resources that gain money. So I could trade him some of my MCCs and he could trade me some of his district goo. And so I, he gets, he gets some MCCs out of the deal and I get, you know, revenue generation because I'm producing this thing. You have, there's no way for any of these kind of interactions to occur. Um, and I think what's going to be a pro, I think Lyther touches on a good point though. If there's no way for these types of, those types of interactions to occur and you're forced to then hold lots of land in order to actually effectively be in planetary conquest, you're going to end up with big boys only club, um, and super corpse and that sort of thing. Um, so it's it's definitely a, a balancing act. It gets crazy, but but yeah, those are in terms of uh, accessibility uh, and and the other goals that we kind of laid out. Uh, I think a lot of people have seen improvement from that mentality of of splitting up district because when when you have the self contained district that does everything, all you need is more of them. Like there's no there's no strategy at all. And that's why we have all cargo hubs. There will always be, if you combine things like that, there will always be one that is the best. I promise. <laughs> and everyone will spam that. And even if there could be some tiny strategic little, like, you know, wrinkles in it, nobody has the patience. You know, like, you'd have to... <laughs> I've told people this before. Even in the current PC, you could run computer programs that use the crest data and, you know, map data and stuff to do all sorts of wild and crazy specific stuff. And indeed, the system is so bad that it's not even worth it. It's not worth the brain power. So that's kind of one of the things that we really have to look at fixing going into the future is making it interesting enough to you know, merit. It just, like, it just struck me that there, there's a couple ways you could do this. So, like, you remember, okay, if you go with the theory that if you want to take a district, right, a district, that might mean... I'm just totally using an arbitrary term, three MCCs worth of victories. Like I'm using three out of five just because it's a, it's a workable number, by the way. Um, not proposing it, I'm just using it as an example. Let's say you needed three, uh, three victories. What if a district equaled more than one map? So like, because in theory, a district is, you know, it, it's bigger, like conceptually, a district would be multiple things other than like, that one bridge in those two car cargo hubs or whatever the fuck. Um, you might have different maps that you have to fight on. Uh, and some of those may or may not be of your choosing. There, there may be something to having that mechanic as well. I know that we've thought about it before. In some ways that does expand the, the number of surface infrastructures, for instance, that can be installed, but it, it's really unclear. This is something that kind of keeps on recurring. It's really unclear that if a bunch of mechanical changes are made, what what a good number is actually. Um, it's kind of like uh, the classic, you know, when CCP have changed uh, a bunch of numbers on a gun at once, right? And everyone's like, "Ah, oh, you fucking idiot," you know, because something goes wrong and nobody could have predicted it because they changed ten knobs at the same time. Well, this is like throwing away your entire oven and getting one with with completely different knob style um so <laughs> you know it, i'm kind of scared to change the number of eyes on the oven <laughs> uh 
and and maybe we can we can get an add-on later. <laughs> yeah. uh, protracted uh, metaphor. Point is, I'm scared about it. One thing, uh, you know, we're uh, as Zill pointed out in the in the chat, we're getting we're getting up on the two-hour mark. One thing I did want to kind of put on the table for the group, you know, kind of for everybody's, you know, to have a chime in on is, um, I, I view it kind of more of a force projection thing in that uh, the way the timer, the current timer system works, um, that was one of the mechanics other than the whole, like, I'm not, you know, really not allowing the star map to be like truly that sort of chessboard that we were playing PC on. But uh, the timer system of putting 16 guys on a point, point in time, uh, that was one of those other control mechanisms for people to be able to control large swaths, swaths of the map with relatively small numbers of guys on occasion. Uh, and there's a lot of other, you know, uh, you know, zigs and zags with timer-based warfare. You know, I'm very familiar with it in EVE. And, and to an extent, it, it's in a lot of different games, MMO-style games, because you, you kind of have to have a known point where where people are coming together for PvP content um, other than like pure sandbox style stuff. Uh, so that's one thing I'd like you guys to touch on really briefly, because I know there's a lot of competing uh, competing thoughts on how timers should work, how they do work. I've heard some stuff from Soraya, from Lether, from Kane, Pokey, and everybody's got an idea on timers. Uh, and the one thing that struck me is that, no, nobody likes them, but nobody knows how not to do anything without them. Um, that's that would be the first thing. And like, how do we how do we get more more bang for the buck, or how do we make this useful in terms of the timers? Um, like one of the you know one of the ideas that you know, a lot of people have talked about attack windows, which I'm sure some of you will. But terrible, terrible how, idea. How do you how do you give an advantage to an attacker? Because in any other world. In any other time, in any other instance, the attacker has the initiative. They are selecting the time and the place of the fight. But if you actually got in and you you somehow secured a district, you were the one controlling the time and the place of the fight, not not the attacker. So I'll just kind of open that kind of very broad topic up to everybody, uh, like what your general thoughts are on. Do we want to keep the current timer mechanic or do we want to adjust it? What What should we do? Well, I, I think that in, in certain regards, um, I, I, for, first and foremost, I think timers are absolutely critical that they exist in some form. Um, there has to be elements to the game design that allow combat to take place, particularly when other people are there. And I, I think I've seen some ideas that don't that say, you know, we'll go halfway to ensuring that other people are there. But I, I think one of the key points in why... I personally lean towards defender selected, uh, defender initiated combat um, to the degree that they're set at least setting the when and where. Um, is the fact that if the defender is setting that up, you know they're there, and the person who's attacking them is obviously there, so combat will occur. Um, I think no show matches are pro particularly in the in the light that many no show matches are profited from. Um, is one of the key issues, um, one of the problems. And um, I think that timers, particularly in the case of uh, capturing districts, is absolutely critical to remain in the game in some form, but that I would like to see at a later phase in the development of this whole process that timer, that there be a way to open up a timer 
or open up a district for non-capture fights that are obviously lower stakes just for just for money or whatnot um that someone can say you know well we've got a team we got a district let's fight on it and then we can open it up and other people can go and for also a very low cost with no timer just go and and, and fight them over it um for whatever you know some rewards some some income resources whatever um that um as far as the way timers work um my biggest pet peeve is the ability for people to move them out of a time zone that is is playable um it, obviously nine sand has 50 districts in 12 in the 1200 timer or did they move it to 1300 um i mean isn't that relative I've, to the group though i mean like well, what is playable to me may not be playable to you so but the the issue in question is if you know, if I lose a district, you know, if you if you want to uh, associate some sort of attachment to a district, and a lot of people do, um, you know, they they have that that ownership of that, and if someone takes it from them, you want to take it back. And when you lose it on a weekend day, when they you know are able to get up at a weird hour, and then they just move it off to a time when you can never ever have any chance of ever getting it back, um, is terrible. It's it's a bad experience. It's not fun. Um, and not only that, but ev most of those cross-regional battles are the laggiest and the worst, where you get the absolute worst experience that's possibly achievable to attain in the game of Dust 514. Yeah, but I, the I, worst I, lag, the worst. Dude, lag. I don't care what time zone you're in. When you're playing people from fucking Port, you know, Portugal, it's going to be bad. Yeah. Um, but look, now, now the other thing is, yeah, I think you hit on a point. A point that's important is that people saying, "Okay, I take this from you, and then I move it in a dramatic fashion to another timer." I think what we are enumerating though is a problem in which timers may be too fluid, but I think. Well, trying to f trying to freeze you, them. You did interrupt me a little bit. Can I get back? Can I finish? Because I actually was going to get to that. Okay, I got silence. I'm going with it. Um, so I, I think the ability to move timers. I I would I I've been the big proponent of fixing timers and just setting them, scattering them based on player base, and then locking them. But um, it was actually a friend of mine who's actually here at the condo um, at the moment who had, who had actually suggested setting like a default timer for every district and then letting people move it like plus or minus three. I have a really big problem with that because of geographical considerations and, and also selection consideration, considerations. How do you select what the default is, you know, you can say, well, we look at a snapshot of the player base at X time, and, you know, we, we scatter it based on region. Um, and, and maybe that works the first time, but not only is that declaring, uh, perhaps retroactively, what, what the player base is composed of, and that can screw over people uh, for no reason, um, you know. Uh, I, even even though the current mechanics suck, Neonson's district are, districts are theirs. You know they got those as honestly as anyone else has during using the mechanics, um, and I think it undermines the idea of planetary conquest that they would somehow be forced into an unfavorable footing by something out of the game by basically CCP's algorithm. Also. There's an element of gamification, like, I shouldn't use gamification, it's not really the word. There's an element of gaming, the algorithm, 
you know, what if I make a uh, hundred Japanese accounts and I just send them off to the side and then one day I'm like, I really want all of these districts that I just took from, uh, you know, from Alliance B um, to go into a crazy timer, a uh, crazy default timer, you know, and I'll set them to a terrible time. So I go log on my 100 Japanese PSN accounts, um, you know, I distribute them to my corp, it really doesn't matter, and get them to play some matches. You can say that CCP will intervene in that case, but, you know, it gets subtler. Like, it... And so it gets gamed, and in fact, it's even worse. Of, I don't like, think I'm too concerned of someone logging in a hundred accounts on a. I on wasn't a, so. Look, I wasn't concerned about. I wasn't concerned about people. Uh, people attacking themselves after pacifist went away either. Like whenever the opportunity for something is there, like I've seen people see some really crazy stuff. And... I think I think um, uh, Soraya's point of limiting the the how much you can shift a timer is is would be valid. Maybe you can only shift it you know x hours per cycle, something like that. I think that's something per that, cycle like, doesn't fix it. You can still shift. The, I mean, your problem is you're looking at the so you look at the Asian timer where there's very little competition but a massive number of districts, and then you'll have other areas where there's very few choices even though there may be a lot of corps who want to participate and that's why i think to some degree you need to lock it down to keep things in the rough time zone that they're in and i think uh, that that's see, the thing is but you're project you're making you're basing a projection on some kind of arbitrary participation that you have absolutely no way of declaring because you're completely changing uh pc mechanics in order to increase participation so there's no way no way, unless you guys can see the future perfectly. I think you have to what base it on overall What percentage population. of it? You don't have any idea of what overall part of the population actually wants to participate in planetary conquest. Because one of the things is, um, Nyansan wouldn't be such an issue if the Japanese community were more um, actively involved in planetary conquest. Now the thing is, it could very well be that the um, uh, Asian time zone, you know, which would also include parts of Russia as well, it could and be Australia. that. And Australia as well could actually make up 20% of the population. So if you take a look at the map and you say, oh, well, there's only needs to be 20% of the timer set to a certain time zone. Oh, well, there already are set, only 20% set to a 1200 timer. Um, so you, and only that, if you actually take a look historically at what's been going on with districts, especially since passive ISK removal, you had what, Neon Sun sitting at 25 point something percent um, even, in the day. Even but then it, they went up to 40% um, ownership after the collapse of um, ERA. And that, now that 40% has actually shrunk down to 20% and it's continuing to decline. So what you may actually be doing is taking away a lot of player freedom to actually solve a problem that over time solves itself through player activity. The problem hasn't I mean, solved itself in a year. It's still look, there. This is. They're, they're well, let me, let me talk about Neon Sun. Neon Sun is is the example. Okay, let's think about how Neon Sun. but yes. look, well, no, they're they're like the quintessential like, the the quintessential symptom of of what happened to PC. But keep in mind how Neon Sun obtained their districts originally, other than the big influx that they had when uh, there were some collapses later on. Neon Sun very slowly gained districts out of their time zone, okay? Um, and in fact, with, with very little help, maybe a little bit from negative feedback in, in the beginning. And, and then they would switch it over. And the game mode, PC, did not encourage people to take them back at all when Neon Sun had fewer districts. And then 
as they got a critical mass, people, the, the coordinators of PC, <laughs> one, I mean, Kane can uh, contradict this, but I'm pretty sure, you know, Kane pre pretty much fed them districts for the obvious reason, because they could hide it at 1300. And, you know, people could play the they eventually became part of the tactics and to this day um, remain like that. So it wasn't like it wasn't like the mechanics of timers explicitly encouraged that in a vacuum. There were a lot of things and there are a lot of people who have saved Neonson and there are a lot of mass attacks that have been planned against Neonson that have fallen through because of spying diplomacy and other factors like shit has happened Neonson has somehow survived it <laughs> um so it's not it's not just the mechanics and, and i feel like with the severe sh shift in in both the way pc works encouraging people not to just let those districts lie because they're out of their time zone but also adding uh, I, I like the window concept, you know, adding a variability to where they can't make it perfectly 1300, and because they can't make it perfectly 1300, you have an even harder time getting defenders on for them because that's what saved them in the past well, is U.S. time zone defenders. Right, let me let me I am that. suggesting though, just... or at least the suggestion I was conveying was that there would be a a fixed six hours that you could move that timer within for a given district. Um, that you would have some flexibility, but not the ability to re to to remove it from its time zone, essentially. I'm, it it then bothers you're, me. Then you're forcing regionalization on a game in which it prides itself in not being sharded. It does. It's not regionalized in that you can it, it, indeed play outside were, of your time zone. If and you were if you were that. picking the if you were basically saying this player this player base is made up of twenty percent Asia time zone to thirty percent. EU time zone, and then 50% American time zone, and thus districts shall be set accordingly and unchangeable without, except for these slight variations that you are allowed. You are forcing regionalization on, you're the, forcing, on the game. You're, you're forcing time-based play. It's going to have a. It's going to have a positive effect on the game performance because yes, you will have more people playing during certain windows from certain, I uh, don't, certain local local I, areas. Man, that's a big stretch that's, though. That, that is a good that is a huge that is a, stretch. A good thing in the terms a, of a first person shooter but that you Look, don't even very, there's even no guarantee because you could have 16 US players that get up at you know 10 and you could, 10 and in they, the morning that want to would, play at 10 in the morning and there's they no, would play in, in in the time zone that fits them that's it, like, it the, here's in the my morning issue with this we're trying to we're trying to induce you just proved my good, point that it's not regionalized we're, we're trying to induce good geography in the system we're trying to induce geographic centralization so if there is any amount of limitation on on timers okay i mean other well, than you, something yeah, you get a 1200 like, stuck in so, the center of a planet yeah. or something yeah, I don't, it's like I what don't, do you do i don't agree like, with geographic centralization like for the purposes of of getting all your districts in one spot then i mean okay i can i can see if you don't like want to drive towards that then you know you don't necessarily see the problem, but for anybody who does, it's it's a massive problem. It's like I have this clique of districts that I just took away from people, and I can't, you know, I either have to take this horrid timer so that I can have the piece of infrastructure that I need in the place that I need it, or, or I have to leave it like a thorn in my side. And who made it that way? Oh, CCP's magical algorithm. Like... 
Yeah, I think Leith is really hitting a good point there, that if you want geography to matter, if you want alliances to actually matter, if you want districts to be able to assist one another via the flow of resources or, or whatever metric, if you're an alliance that is primarily North America, but you've got, say, a couple Japanese corp and maybe a couple UK corps, if you've got the districts that are locked effectively in a certain time slot, people are going to want to play in their time slot. That's fine. But the problem is, is that do I get screwed as alliance because the UK planet is somewhere else and the Japanese planet is somewhere else away from my North America planet? And now I don't get any of those benefits simply because this algorithm is locked in a time slot that isn't near where my other districts are, and thus my alliance is weaker because of it. I think that's bullshit. Well, it it should be randomized. It shouldn't be that far from anything, any particular thing. In, so if it's if it's randomized, then you have no reason to own districts within your localization either, because now you've got other time slots that you know. If if you want to take a planet and it's randomized, and if there's a bonus for taking that planet, or just the fact that it's it's beneficial to have that planet, I don't think screwed. it should be beneficial to own a whole planet. You, it, you you don't think the location of resources should be beneficial to other districts you own around the area? I'm not hot on the idea yet. I haven't seen anything that sells it to me. Because, I mean, that would be like saying, like, okay, in NullSec, we're just going to kind of scatter sovereignty around like a, like, you know, white noise. And, you know, it, it doesn't matter if it's all together. Cause... I don't, I don't think. I don't think you should have you should be looking at this in terms of if we want more people to be playing this with two what 245 districts. I don't think we should be talking, "Oh, look, I'm going to own this whole planet which is a sizable percentage of or whole region or whole." You're, then you're taking away a major completion goal that a lot of players no, have even, yeah, even before a, geography even mattered. It's something it that people actually shot com- for. Completion uh, goal that has never mattered and never been uh, it's, it's been well, yeah, but why shouldn't it matter? Well, let me put it a different way, sir. I don't, think, I don't, think, I don't uh, think planets should even, like, I think planets should be the granular, you know, and I don't even think there should be districts, but... So, I, I had this conversation with Pokey, and he'll probably come strangle me after it, but, like, imagining... One of the things that, that when I've been discussing PC redesign, that I've been really driving towards is the raid concept that you brought up before, the ability to have lower-risk fights that don't necessarily affect... Um, sovereignty and the reason is because you want to have an element of persistent ownership you want to have more people playing you want it to be more accessible and ultimately if you have any ability to have any kind of uh, tactical advantage whatsoever by holding land uh, big groups are going to take as much of it as possible and at any point in time that they can they will crush out anybody who is even slightly weaker you know it does not matter how you design it if it has persistent ownership it will be like that unless you want to design planet side two i think i think ownership needs a cost unless you're using it i think squatting a bunch of territory is not going to be um is not going to promote viable gameplay well we'll say there are four thousand people in an alliance using it you know like it that's not the point it's the idea that smaller cliques and organizations will somehow like sprout up um that aren't uh you know aren't capable of holding an entire planet and fighting back an entire planet is optimistic like the idea that people will very commonly fight their way into pc um by by taking a district and then expanding is optimistic. I would love all of these things to be there, but that's just idealistic because of the way people treat it. Anytime you have a tactical advantage, you were going to hold on to it. 
It shouldn't well, be. Let me, so, I don't like, think it should be a tactical advantage so, to squat on a planet. Oh, hold on, guys. Okay, let me so, let me let me kind of let me kind of. Uh, I just want to bridge something here because uh, we're you know before we go into to a lot of craziness. Um, the the advantages that you're describing when you talk about timer based warfare, it kind of comes down to a couple things, and, and I think the ideas that I hear everybody talking about aren't necessarily mutually exclusive to a degree. Um, do if you own the district, should you be able to manipulate the timer to a degree? Probably yes. But should the attacker get some kind of advantage? Yes. That's also a limiting factor on you know people not being able to to stack up twenty timers you know in a, in a way that they personally want to, and then th their entire dust experience is nothing but PCs basically uh, at that point. Th there's ways that you can do that. I think it. It is a hybrid of the attack window and the current, you know, point time mechanic that we have. You, you have the window of time set by the defender, but the attacker can select whenever he wants to go in there. Yeah, I, I would offer this as much as I enjoyed, like what the French, basically holding off, you know, Kane Sparrow and the evilness of DNS Black. Like there is no way that that group of guys. Uh, I mean. I was rooting for them in all in all fairness and you know, full disclosure, but there's no way they should have been able to hold off that many attacks from that many people. Uh, they they if there was even some sort of variance put in, because if you're the attacker, that's also by the way one of the reasons that it's very difficult to get into PC. Um, the tactical advantage is all on the side of the defender. You know, we can you and everybody likes to use Nye and Sam, but it could be a European corp. It could be I'm on the West Coast, but if but when, but a lot of the guys in OSG back when we were really heavily into PC, they were all East Coast guys. So most of of our fights were East Coast primetime, which you know, that's a three-hour difference. That's not insignificant. You know, that's pretty serious. So I would have to miss probably about 50% of the PCs just because my schedule didn't match. Okay, that's just how it works sometimes. But kind of the point is you can't have all the, all of the the timer-based tactical advantages on the defender's side, there's got to be something that helps the attacker at least get there. Um, and that would be just something I would kind of offer to the group. It's like, I don't know how you do it, but I, I think there's a way that you can kind of split the difference between what I hear you guys talking about. And the other thing is we can't, I don't think, I don't think having artificial means of telling people when a fight's going to happen is... Uh, is probably a good thing. I, I think if if the fight occurs based on player-driven activity inside the game, like I am, you know, I am initiating attack in a time that will help me because it is favorable to me as an attacker. That's great. That's the advantage an attacker has had throughout time immemorial under any circumstance of conflict. Uh, why we don't attempt to at least replicate that a little bit, I don't know. Uh, but that's just something I would just, like I said, I just want to put that out there before we got too crazy uh, going down the timer route. I mean, I, I, you mentioned the whole uh, a window and then the attacker picking part of that, uh, when in that window to actually launch an attack. That's uh, something I've heard a couple of times and I, th I think I actually kind of like. Um, so the defender sets, okay, I, want, I, I plan on making uh, my forces available during this two-hour window or this three-hour window or whatever it ends up being. But the attacker is the one who says, all right, that's when you say that you're going to be available. I'm going to pick this specific time within this window to fight you tomorrow on. And I think that's a really, you know, this is something that I've thought a lot about is that, yeah, the control is entirely on the defender's side. Um, 
including stuff with reattacks. Um, Satara can tell you stories about how he uh, would use reattacks that would happen against his districts when he no-showed in order to manipulate when a timer would actually pop for, for half of his districts. Um, and of course he had that luxury since he was a defender. Um, and this is one of the, the things that scares me about making too many changes. We can one of the things that we can do is we can say let's open up, you know, the att the attackers to have more control over the situation, and then let's keep these other mechanical changes in reserve. Write them down that give the attackers even more advantage, um, or that change the situation even more strongly, and see where it ends up equal <laughs> hitting the equilibrium. Come back to it and say, okay, the attackers didn't have enough advantage everyone still you know incentivized to give neons on uh more and more districts to hide hide uh behind timers or, or whether it's the exact opposite because if we make that many changes you know we're talking about a ton of changes at the same time and like i i very much fear that we're we're gonna end up suggesting something to the ccp that is an overreaction to the current climate so I just want to say I think a lot of thinking about the timers is slightly backwards. Um, I truly honestly believe that the timers need to be something more along the lines of I want this to be the time when my corp and my people and my folks have the most amount of fun. I mean, quantify it a bit, you know, are you, are you just, you're, you're saying it, you should be able to match it to your activity time? That Basically, but that's that's where I honestly think that timers need to be become and need to be placed at instead of this um huge um shuffle thirty three cup game. My my biggest issue with the attack window concept is that I very to to my understanding very few very few groups have more than one or two people at at best who handle the logistics in the organization. Um you know, those people who kind of have to be there every time to get everything going right. And the the biggest concern that I have there, I mean, we our issue more than anything was having, you know, a, you know leaders running. We, we used uh, platoon leaders as our, our uh, statement for who they were. And we rarely had more than one or two at a time. And to tell those – and those platoon leaders um, – you know, ran themselves ragged, burned themselves out on having to be there like every day for, you know, and they'd be on for their, their hour, like every day for our, to, to protect the district. Um, but to tell them, oh, now your entire evening is dedicated to being on this game, uh, like every day, <laughs> or, you know, and even if, even if you know 24 hours in advance, which hour the match will be at, you're still talking about an inability to have a, a normal life outside of that because you can't you can't schedule your life around an event that you don't know the time of until 20 23 hours in advance it's just not it, it's it's not functional for those people to be able to live a life and also play the game i mean i've been that guy right um for a long while and to me the improvements that need to be made are, are lowering the risk so that you, you can lowering the risk and increasing the accessibility so that a you can train bigger cohorts of people so that you're not i mean one of the reasons i was on all the time 
uh, was just being there to make sure 16 people showed up um, in the right stuff, right? Um, and it's it sounds funny, but that you know, that's what PC of today kind of instigates. It's because you have such high stakes, you always have to be uh, you always have to be showing your best face. And, and the other thing is that um, yeah, the logistical tools suck. I wish we could improve those. <laughs> um, you know, uh, one of the things yeah, I liked about team uh, deploy was I mean, the ease of just slapping together a team. I mean, let's let's be. Here's the thing, guys. Let's let's be very. Uh, you know, Zell made some. He. I mean, th those are legit points. Okay. I mean, a lot of us in here are. You know, generally what I found is in dust, you have a lot, a lot of people who are in high school or in college, you know, they're in some kind of school. Then you got a lot of other people that have like day jobs, you know, like, like me, Pokey, Zell, I think Kane, Sramboy, like you, know, Jake, we all have like professional lives, like big boy professional lives too. So there, there is a desire not to want to have to know life things, but the reality is, is that you, you know, you have to reward activity and, and consistency and presence. And fundamentally, what this gets down to is if you want an organization that can A, take and then B, hold territory, it has to be built to do that. It, it's got to have the right number of people, the right type of people, and you got to have some leadership and you got to have some focus and some goals involved in it. And that's just how it is. I mean, that's no different in any other large scale game. Um, so, I mean, I, I, from a, from an individual standpoint, Zell, I, I absolutely can see your point, point of view as an individual based on your experiences. I would offer to you that a lot of other people have very different experiences that are very, very opposed to your view, but that doesn't mean that their experience is any less valid than yours. Um, so, I mean, like in OSG, we were a pretty small corporation. I mean, it, legitimately, I mean, Pokey, help me out. I think we would like on the day of a PC, we would maybe have 25 or 30 people on maybe, uh, and that's, that's like a call to arms kind of thing. People showing up daily, maybe enough, you know, like 15 people, 15 to 20 people. And that was never that's at one right. point in time, but if you needed a PC, we would always be turning guys away. Um, you build people that can, you know, do the management structure within your corp. Um, I, I mean, Kane knows this as well as anybody in the room. Like you have some people that do that organizing you're talking about Zell, but there's also a lot of other people that are working with you and for you. And, and I don't think anybody was running more PCs a day than some of the things that Kane or Zatara or, you know, shit even cubs did you know i mean the guys a lot of a lot of groups can do this you know a lot of smaller groups do it a lot of bigger groups have can do it sometimes a bigger group isn't as well organized sometimes a smaller group is much more organized and can do it but they just don't have the manpower to you know hold 10 districts you know they can't do that i mean that's why the team players model was very effective they didn't really they had to hold some things and they did for a while, but ultimately they just became a you know a very effective Merc force, uh, very much kind of like how PL works, you know, in Eve. So I just like I said, it's a different perspective, but I don't see the uh, I, I don't see the the showstoppers that you see. Like I I feel like intrinsically it's the lack of good tools that burns people out. I know whenever I need to run 
you know, more than one team, which was frequently back when it was actually active. But that's when your hair would light on fire because it's you're, you're having to talk to a different squad leader in each squad in, you know, at least three squads um, for two teams. You're trying to get them set up. You're trying to get them with the right people. You're, you're trying to make sure everybody knows what battle they're going into, etc., etc., etc. You know, it's the... the thousand jagged cuts thing and there's nothing that helps you at all mechanically yeah. like yeah who's gonna okay it's squat you know you have two let's say you have you know even if you have the numbers on you could end up with like a squad deploying to the wrong pc match like hits on a really good point like there's no team building tools in the game at all to say okay i have now made team a team a is going to district one team b that i that has now been assembled is going to go to district two there's no there's nothing there's there really isn't anything except for the organization that use terms of, of leaders and stuff like that to actually affect a logistical hurdle. Yeah. Now I, I, I think there's been a lot of good points put out on this, uh, my, left, my, right and center. My last yeah. thing, cause I know I'm, I'm the one pushing for us to wind it down, but my biggest, my biggest thing is I think some of the feedback is based on situation how to handle situations that hopefully should never ever occur if the new system is designed well i don't think that figuring out a mass attack should be something that people are dealing with because i don't think we should be in a situation where people where we have a system that is bad enough to require mass attacks to work but you do, you do think they should be able to do them do them right if if we get into that crazy of a situation, I don't think the system. I but I I mean I think the some some of the ideas I've heard about allowing people to pick the timers that they attack is about you know being able to prevent people from scattering their timers and resisting being attacked all at once. Um, but I I don't think that you should have a situation where a ton of people can. You know, where you know a corp of say sixteen people can have or wants to have ten districts, or or twenty districts, or or fifty districts, it shouldn't work that way. I think if you know, that's that's and I know I I was accused a couple of times of of basing my suggestions on problems that shouldn't exist. But I think that in some ways, some of the things I've heard regarding things like attack windows, the justification was things that shouldn't be possible or, or beneficial in the new system, ideally. I want the show to wind down, but I you can't get around mass attacks. It's it's how if you try to diverge from that then you get basically what we have in the current system. It's people who have a small elite force you know, if you will win out. So, very quick. Go, Jason. End the nope. show. Okay. Um, Alright, well with that we're going to go ahead and um... I guess give the quick shout-outs from everybody. We'll start at the top, work our way down. Uh, Degand, any shout-outs? Uh, not really, but I guess I guess a shout-out to I guess you to for letting me be on the show. So yeah. Huh? Yeah. Ah, yeah, no drama, man. Uh, Iron Wolf. Hey, shout out to Santa Claus because he brings awesome presents every year. That's the best one I've heard in a while. Um, let's see, Kane. Just a shout out to all the crazy people who have dealt with uh, PC logistics up to this point, and hopefully they will continue to provide feedback on actually making it not a screwed up system on this second go around. Yeah, no, I can tell about that one. Lether? Shout out to uh, to my older sister and brother-in-law who drove uh, 
eight hours yesterday with to two children. Clone packs? With, not, well, to deliver yeah. clone packs, essentially, with two, uh, two children, four and under. So. Yeah, that's, they'll, that's... they'll never hear this, but it'll be. <laughs> okay. No, I, I have a lot of sympathy for that. Um, Pokey? Uh, shout out to all the CPM that came to join us today. You've uh, certainly put my mind at ease. I was a little concerned that CCP's focus was not where it needed to be, but you have outlined uh, a bunch of key issues concerning PC that you're obviously aware of, and that makes me very happy. So thank you for all your work. Uh, SMB, if you're still awake. I am. Uh, shout out to all the guys over at Molan Labe. Shout out to Logis. I'm looking or, out for you guys. Uh, Cross and I are definitely going to continue our work on trying to improve uh, your plight. Um, a shout out to former MAG players uh, and a shout out really just in general to the whole community. Uh, thanks for supporting the game and uh, continuing to play. It's uh, it's a lot of fun these days, I think, and I'm looking forward to further improvements. So, All right, man. Hey, I appreciate that. Zell? Shout out to audible.com for... <laughs> Sorry, I, I, it's it's from the Skype channel. I swear. Um, yeah, we should do ads. <laughs> that is funny, actually. Okay, okay. So That's it. Uh, I got nothing. That, that all right. I I threw away both my intro and my shout out today on jokes. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, no problem. Um, well, I'm Jason Larson, and I'd like to give a quick shout out to everybody that showed up tonight to have a. a like a pretty, pretty engaged, uh, you know, two two hour and twenty plus minute discussion on uh, on some pretty heavy, you know, in game topics, you know, coming out of the holiday break. Uh, I do I do attribute the long long length of, of this episode mostly to the fact that we've had a lot of a lot of discussions, uh, forums, out of game Skype stuff stuff like that for the last month. So really appreciate everybody coming on. Uh, and again, just it, a lot of these can be some fairly. Um, charged topics you know when you're describing because people want want this all to turn out well and uh, a lot of folks are you, know, you have to base things off your personal experience but you also have to try to remove yourself from the equation and look at try to look at both sides so that's uh, that's something i offer for all the listeners just kind of think through it uh, and make sure that you engage folks uh, on the cpm and engage some of the community leaders that are not cpm on your thoughts about pc i mean there's a lot of topics in the forum hit us up in game whatever or not even i'm not really a community leader but you know guys like pokey lether um you know cat Merck, guys like that a lot of people are working on kane kane sparrow again working on things to bring to the cpm or bring to ccp on this so uh, get engaged, be part of the process, and hopefully this will turn out much better than it did the last time. I think we're all—that's what we all want in the end. The last uh, two times. Yeah, well, fair, fair point. So with that, we're going to call um, episode forty-three minus eight. Uh, we're we're going to bring that one to a close, and we appreciate everybody for uh, coming to another episode of Biomass. I'm also being bribed, so I have to say that the Eldritch Abomination is living under us, and praise be to the Fish Lord. That's straight money yes. right there. <laughs>